Hello and welcome to episode 313 of the Crate and Crowbar. It is the 26th of February 2020. My name is Chris Thurston and joining me this evening, Alex Wiltshire. Good evening. And notorious stick in the mud, Marsh Davies. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to get you to do the voice. Do the voice. Oh, I, do the I voice. didn't even make the connection. <laughs> I'd already forgotten. Do the voice. No. <laughs> Damn. Are you? Maybe later. <laughs> you, that was a sort of mid-state animorphs transition <laughs> yeah. of the voice. Uh, maybe later. The voice, the voice of power. I won't be so angry with you anymore. Are you angry with me? Yeah. Oh. Because what you made me do for the past half an hour. I subjected you to something. You did. Something terrible. Something yeah. awful. So there's, there is no video games news. Uh, we, we now enter the third month of... Uh, 2020 and nothing has happened um <laughs> so we watched the uh first episode of uh mythic quest uh at re- at the behest of Scoo, i believe if that's right listener Scoo. Scoo, uh Scoo expe- uh, expressed an interest in our opinions on it after i'd always already quite mean about it to, to him off the forum which i regret because <laughs> obviously everybody's allowed their own um, preferences yeah um, so we so uh, yeah we watched the the first episode and this is a tv show on apple tv something like, yeah uh, about it's a sitcom but a video games development studio and you could say that sounds like the worst thing imaginable based on previous treatment of the medium in in all other medium mm-hmm. uh in all other media and it's not the worst well, that's what i mean imaginable it's not bad for the reasons you think actually <laughs> my quick take would be some of it's reasonably on point actually mm. but it's just really badly constructed as comedy so it fails at the thing it should be good at not at the thing you, it, that's ambitious for yeah. the show yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I suppose it's more interesting picking apart for the ways in which it does accurately reflect studio mm. culture, studio life. I thought there were quite some interesting things there. I think one of the funniest bits in it is uh, where a series of characters turn up to the HR lady and treat her like a therapist, mm. uh, which is something that happens. Yeah. Uh, and is also funny. And then horribly, horribly crushed by a giant lampshade immediately afterwards in a protracted bit where she says, you're treating me like a therapist. For the third time in the, the show. Third so time, yeah. yeah. But, you know, that, you know, initially that was pretty good. But then directly after that, you, it gets worse where they kind of, they're in this first episode, they raise two of the big game industry specters, uh, of, uh, harassment and loot boxes and, uh, and utterly fail to actually say anything about them. Like, yeah, I mean, it's more of a name check for those things, really, isn't it? Rather than actually like, dealing with don't, them. Don't, don't bring them up if you're not going to say anything. <laughs> hey, yeah. oh, well, what about them loot boxes? So anyway, uh, here's a joke about a spade. Yeah. There were, there were other things that I thought were good about it in terms of reflecting studio stuff, like um, reaching content lock and somebody wanting to just continue fiddling with something beyond that point on a Friday at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. when the thing's meant to go live on Monday. That's the thing I've, I've <laughs> experienced. Um, although, you know, it's been my experience that sometimes people release things at 5 o'clock on a Friday and then it's just fucking broken for the entire weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the, like the the need for people for for creative stakeholders to change something about a thing mm. so that that has been enacted in some way that's well observed like i say it's such a strange mix because yeah. i found that the moments where it was on point were actually quite uncomfortable mm. because it was like oh that's actually it's not it's not funny it's my life <laughs> um like yeah. um and then the parts where it was sort of slightly off like whether that's um the use of the word patch can mm. you patch this 
instead of can you make can you because they haven't developed this right like the notion that a new feature doesn't involve a certain amount of sprint planning like you know what i mean the sort of moments where it diverges for the sake of television felt strange the fact that they use a mixture of the kind of awful sort of blender slash unity store kind of demo thing that tv shows always use instead of video games and then an equal mix of For Honor and Assassin's Creed to represent the MMO that the studio is making. It's just, re- and a bit of Kingdom Come Deliverance. Hmm. It's just really, really strange. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's sort of, it's both believable and not at the same hmm. time. And I don't know, it reminds me of when we watched, um, when we were living together, Marsh, we watched, I think we had the same experience of watching Kimmy, the first couple of episodes of Kimmy Schmidt and the first couple of episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Which actually, are both shows that mm. I don't just really didn't like For th- at the beginning. Yes. Also, likewise. And in fact, I, I said it was in a, in the sort of Brooklyn 1999, 99. <laughs> 1999. 1999. <laughs> uh, category. Uh, Space. To, to Alex. 99. <laughs> just before we started. I think it's, it's something to do with having, um, very broad caricatures, mm. um, and then flitting back to, you know, moments of being super real with each other and like there's this desire to have broad caricature and then having sort of like real characterful emotional engagement where those characters express their mm. arcs to one another and they come to some resolution. And it, I don't know who's to blame for this, uh, but they probably should be beaten to death. Right. Um, <laughs> it's a strange, the other show it reminds me of actually is Community. Um, yeah. and it's partly because of the sort of ensemble, the way that ensemble is set up. It's, I mean, to be honest, it's it, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is the other comparison there, but also partly because like the old sort of Nebula winning writer character just feels like a lift of peers from community right. to a greater or lesser extent. Like, yeah. and the whole show seems to be carrying the burden of having to explain all this video game stuff while doing yeah. like really rote sitcom things alongside mm. them. Yeah. And it creates this really strange, I feel like, yeah, like it creates this really strange situation where like midway through the first episode, um, Ashley Birch, who is obviously tremendously games literate, yeah. uh, has to deliver like quite a serious, like monologue about her, uh, feelings for a coworker. And, you know, like, I guess spoilers, but like, you know that the joke is going to be that she's not talking to that coworker. It's yeah. either going to be the, mir- it's, it's so rote that you, you know where that's going. She is a good performer and does a good job with that. You know what mm-hmm. the joke's going to be 30 seconds before it lands. So it doesn't land, but also that's not a thread really. It's just sort of hanging there in space. And it's also mm-hmm. like, um, because she's playing a, like, uh, a gay character, there's a strange sort of thing. Of like, is this somewhat a meta point? Because people are going to know her from Life is Strange, which revolves around exactly that sort mm. of, not exactly that relationship, but that, that is one of the reasons that people were drawn to Life is Strange and to her performance in that game. So is this like a kind of, like, mm. we wink, nod, nod, nod at her career? Like, I think it might settle it's such a down. strange thing. Like uh, the fact that that doesn't really get into anything in any depth and the fact that there are kind of industry traumas that are name checked and then passed over. I think maybe it's just, it suffers. That first episode is trying to cram a lot yeah, in. Right? It's, it's trying to introduce all the characters yeah. and trying to set things up for an audience that may be game naive. Yeah. So I, I'm it's probably going to give it maybe 15 minutes or another episode or however much I can bear uh, just to see if it sort of chills out a little bit. I didn't mm. laugh. Or find anything funny. Oh, well, that is a problem. But then I don't find anything funny in, in community or any of, any of the comedies that you've checked, actually. Uh. Like I just watched them stony face. Like knowing that they're meant to be entertaining, but without finding any of its peppiness amusing. (laughs) Like it's, there's something about that whole kind of slate 
of segments. I think, I think a lot of it is like those shows revolve around individually really good performances and individually really good jokes. Yeah. And like, mm. it's actually like, um, it's notable. Like I'm not making the community reference solely because of the presence of Danny Pudi, but Danny Pudi is a really, really funny actor who is not playing a funny character. His entire character is he's a dickhead who cares about money, mm. which just he was like a, the best. I think he was the best in it for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would say so, but not funny. Right. Like, cause it's yeah. not really a particularly engaging character. You, you know, yeah. but he was given lines that I could see in a kind of abstract way were funny. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I can see that that is funny. I was thinking, and which is what I do with that entire genre. Right. But like, <laughs> but also like, uh, have you watched the good place? Yeah. yeah. I, I watched the good place stony faced. We good yeah. place yeah, has got I, some good, really I don't mine, find it funny. I think, you see, I think them, it's got more, uh, kind of more sophisticated, isolated joke building that mm. doesn't rely on the characters. I mean, there is a lot of character jokes in it. You know, Chidi is super anxious all the time and Eleanor's just a bit of a dick. Is it Eleanor who's the main character? Yeah. yeah. Right. Fine. Okay. Um, but at the same time, there's some pretty, pretty fucking good puns and, and, and things, you know, just relating to people's knowledge of philosophy and stuff like that, which is just, you know, they're just good jokes in there. I, yeah, on their I own. suppose I just don't, I mean, I, this is totally a taste thing, by the way, obviously, mm. you know, I'm not yeah. kind of castigating any of this stuff for this stuff, but yeah, I, it's a style of humor, which is like, mm. I'm going to tell you a joke. Here is my joke. Yeah. It's about philosophy. And the thing yeah. is, because I would say that the good place packs a lot in. Like it's about joke density yeah. as well. It's like, very peppy. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. awfully peppy, and it well, doesn't I, labor to explain the jokes like yeah. this does in the same way. So there is a good. I thought there was a. There's a good um, games industry related comic setup here, which is that the entire studio of this multi million budget game is beholden to the whims of a 14 year old douchebag influencer, and that is that is a genuinely funny, yeah. also slash terrible, terrifying. Mm-hmm. And traumatic situation that a lot of people in the games industry have found themselves in. And there's a moment where he, uh, he rates something and he just gives it four B holes and these little brown asterisks appear on the string, the screen. And like, it should have just let that yeah. be and move on. But then there's two characters. He said, so it, he rates things out of buttholes. So, um, and four is really good. Can I, and then can another I character say, says, wow, this industry is strange. And you're like, oh my fucking can I God. Just say, I needed the explanation. Oh, did you? (laughs) (laughs) I reckon, I reckon that came out of a meeting where like they they did it without it and there was some dickhead like me going, What's a b-hole? Oh, <laughs> right. I don't know because it's. Uh, well, maybe if he just said butthole, I don't know. You know, I don't right? Know, but, like, yeah. but it's also like that whole moment is like it's that's kind of too much to be funny. Like it's it's yeah. it's not that funny. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. like it, it given funny. that they have this thing earlier about like they they borrow time to dick or time to penis mm. from. PC gamer history, yeah. apparently, yeah. as a I'm concept. Pretty sure, in terms pretty of, sure. yeah, yeah. In terms of, believe, yeah. yeah, in terms of how long it will take for someone to use a creative tool in a game to make a penis. And like, not to fucking script doctor this thing, but there's a, there's a setup on callback there where it's like they go to all these ends to make it, you know, they, they brush it off in the scene that they can make it impossible to make a dick with a shovel. Which, and then they show yeah. it happening. And then they show it happening. Yeah. And then, all it would take is for that to be the crux of the episode, whether or not they leave this feature in because they're worried about, you know, the, yeah. the their dignity as a studio is at stake if it yeah. gets whatever. And then have the influencer love it and rate the game one big dick, like done. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, oh, it actually didn't matter in the end because, yeah. you know, and then, but instead mm. they've kind of got the same joke from two different angles, mm. which is the audiences are prurient and we'll, we'll do the lowest sort of thing. And 
that is then used as a segue into like the laziest fucking joke in the universe. Well, one of them, which is that, oh, the old, the old drunk guy on the team had some strange sexual experiences in the Far East. Yeah. You could, could see that one just traveling like, towards just, you from yeah, a million it's, miles away. It's a away. rumbly little like wheezy <laughs> dog of a joke that mm. is coming for a treat and <laughs> is going to die before it gets to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, ah, uh, like yeah. that's, it's failing for me. Like the, the, there's a novelty of seeing the games industry presented in a way that's faintly believable it's got some uncanny valley kind of strangeness to it um but like it just it like uh you would want to see greater just joke density the, the confidence to let jokes stand and not over explain mm. them yeah just just to roll back i'm not saying that the yeah. b-hole joke is fucking comedy gold but i just thought like as as just like something you could drop mm. in the middle of his fucking video presentation and then move on that was, uh, th- that'd be fine, but then they, yeah, because they, they, what it feels like is they get to like, the second half it. of that scene and they need something for the characters to talk about, mm. but they don't have a new joke. So they're talking about the joke that they just said, which is, which is an, an accusation I wouldn't level at the good place, which is usually almost moving forwards yeah. and moves past jokes really quickly. And sometimes we'll dwell on something, but just as often we'll leave a pun there for you if you notice it, which is, or a visual gag, a sight gag in the background. And there's not really much, you know what I mean? There's not that sort of richness. To yeah. it, because actually, community as well, I think is it's pretty rapid it's, fire. It's very yeah. It's it's there's a lot of jokes packed into each scene, so they don't all have to land. Whereas this feels like every scene is hanging off hmm. what the joke is going to be. Also, one of the strangest things about it is that there's a big the, the central drama of this episode is adding uh, a shovel to the game, and uh, the the creative director of the studio uh, doesn't think it's quite cool enough. But like, I mean, adding a creative tool like that would go down extremely well <laughs> like mm. I mean, it's, it was it's, a really weird kind of um like it's a macguffin of a thing isn't it like yeah but they well, picked the one thing, thing that is in the game but yeah no that is really fucking cool yeah. and we completely i mean any yeah. any you tell MMO, someone that yeah. now that they can dig they dig stuff in world of warcraft and people go fucking yes you know? yeah yeah right. Yeah, famously unsuccessful digging and building games of the last <laughs> you know, yeah. like, of the last couple of years. Like it was, yeah, mm. that was a stray. Yeah, really that's what I mean—the sort of uncanny juice. valley thing. It's also the and fact then he kind of the, the, the joke is that the the creative director wants to turn this creative tool into a weapon, and like, mm. and that's his kind of creative input, and like. Through it, I suppose we're invited to kind of think about the plurality of the of not only the game players hmm. but also the games themselves, and like uh, you've picked the wrong thing. Yeah. Also, are there kind of a megalomaniac uh, directors of his kind who are also completely incapable of influence of actually physically changing physically changing of actually changing the game themselves? Like, I think most people who end up in those kind of roles, even if they are sort of hands off noodlers. They, I can't think of that many who are just pure ideas men who've ended up at the top of those kind of companies. I don't right? know. There are quite a lot of um, writers who have done, but I expect mm. a lot of them can script. But like, there yeah. is a scene with him labouring over. Oh no, we need more blood, and it's like the, the creative process, like kind but, of yeah, I writ large. Do you think they're kind of George Lucas types who just swan in and say, "I want it more green." Change that guy's head. You see, that kind of I thing. think, or is that? I think, I think that would be are. that would be. I think yes, but then because the, you hear stories of of kind of like oh like that like that. Well, you, you yeah, hear stories about megalomaniacs. I just think there's a certain they've. I think 
I think he feels more like uh, a creature from Hollywood than he does from the games mm. industry, really. Yeah, yeah, I think fair. I think yeah. the, the distinction is that he's quite a young character. And so mm. I think you do get people in the games industry who have made their name as usually as programmers or, or right. but, but in a different era. So they can't necessarily do things in the engine that's sure. used now. Yes, yeah, so, that's definitely true. Like there's a different version of this show where the, you know, where can we talk about the pronunciation of Ian in a minute? Uh, where um, <laughs> like where the main the main studio head guy is is also maybe the older character. So if you're going to the older character put him in the middle rather than off to yeah, the yeah. side so you can make weird uh you know boring sex jokes like have him you know if he was an older character who had kickstarted this tremendously successful mmo based on his old reputation but didn't know how to implement anything himself and was constantly fucking with it that is a scenario i can definitely imagine being yeah. completely real uh you're right that it doesn't quite work with the setup as is because there's like how did he get into this position if he's just mm. an ideas man with no um no other kind of influence yeah. although he's i mean like the the idea like you know i don't know yeah it, he is it is meant to be a complex game now you know is a mm. big mmo no single person can have any particular kind of yeah right but it's at the same time like i, I can see what marsh is saying yeah that, no, you know you have to have had come from a discipline eventually originally yeah it's not clear what that is but then again you know like it has to also you know the audience has to believe that sort of oh they're you know it's a neat little kind of sh- shortcut to you mm. know the that hollywood uh mm. image of the the creative noodle who doesn't have any practical knowledge yeah mm. yeah hmm. you're gonna watch any more i don't want to hmm. i mean like i don't i don't have apple tv so that's that's one it's a it's a great weight off one's mind not to subscribe because then you just you don't have to mm. I, I think i'm curious about it because i think obviously these shows can sometimes take a while to find their feet yeah but i do wonder if like I just wonder if the premise is, is too heady for, you know, cause I kind of want to see it make jokes that land as games industry commentary, but does that fight its other purpose to be an accessible kind of character commentary where hmm. you can kind of buy the emotional stakes cause they are sort of very universal. And that's so tricky cause it's hard enough to do a show like this set in a college or a police station or any kind of other kind hmm. of universal set of tropes, let alone this very specific form of media creation. Like the, you know, we didn't even talk about the, sort of raft of jokes about the testers having opinions mm. which is just sort of like it's a bit of a sort of it's like there are actually many examples of this not being controversial but i guess it is for the sake of this scene yeah where all of the characters we've seen speak are in the same scene so that's really the reason they're there like <laughs> you know yeah. it's like yeah mm. also just how, what was the conversation with ubisoft what was it yeah <laughs> Because it's not the detail, the fact that, so there are all these, you know, this footage of Ubisoft games. And then it says, oh, the company is owned, like this development studio is owned by a company in Montreal. Obviously, Ubisoft is based in Paris, but like it's most well known, Mm. like it's best known from its Montreal Mm. kind of offices. Yeah, right. So like there's a a sort of like a a major Uh, nudge in it. Yeah, I want Yves Gamow cameo. (laughs) <laughs> yes. end of season one that's the cliffhanger i'm in but no but like it's a comes like nothing comes off well like most of ubisoft knows that uh, it doesn't matter if you don't come off well as long as we get our stuff mm. seen by people mm. yeah yeah how many uh toots out of five? pooty toots <laughs> <sighs> i don't i know i'm not sure Maybe half a pooty too. Yeah. If, if, if four bum holes is good, mm. I would give it two bum holes. Christ, that's 50%. 
Yeah, that's bad in games, Alex. Pay attention. Oh, true. <laughs> it's really bad, isn't Although it? they specifically say in the episode that two B-holes is good, a good okay, score. Okay, then it's, so. I guess, one and a half bum holes. I think one feels too harsh. Yeah, there were, there were a couple of jokes going, <laughs> yeah. nah, like three, maybe. I would say one. Across the across mm. the 30 minutes. Yeah. yeah. A couple of saps, you two. <laughs> I know, Alex, but like, you know. The, Lapping ent- at the... Entertainment isn't something you defend yourself against. Mm. It's okay to be amused. <laughs> like, it's not an assault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're not a fortress repelling jokes that aren't worthy enough to reach your high, breach your high walls. Oh, Alex only laughs at videos walls. of bear baiting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there he goes now. Look. There you go. Oh, yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, I can use that to segue into a game I've been playing if you like. Yes, yes please. All right. So, uh, I mean, God, Elephant in the Room is all I really want to do or think about is the swamp. The um, hunt! The hunt. Oh, it's so good. Why is it so good? But we can't talk about it because of self-imposed rules. <laughs> I will not be censored. And uh, and Toby Young will not let me be censored on the topic of the hunt. But I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I would like to talk about games that have uh, plopped out of early access that I've been playing over the last couple of days. And hmm. one of these two games has been early access for a long old time. And it is Besiege. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was great. Ages ago. It is, and it's great now. Um, so I had, I played it when it first went into early access and everyone was talking about it. If you're not aware of what Besiege is, um, Besiege is basically Kerbal Space Program for Skaven. It's the way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's the way I would describe it. It's a game about making very unlikely sort of, um, uh, siege engines to solve a puzzle. I mean, this is like, you know, a freeform building mode. Um, that, so I suppose that's the difference between Kerbal. Like, you don't have a kind of clear, like, you know, an easily graspable kind of interplanetary exploration sort of goal. Uh, but you, it is a lot, a very similar arc in terms of learning the physics of the thing and how to assemble parts together in a very granular way to build physics-based contraptions that do stuff. Um, and whether that's, you know, and then you save your designs, use them as the basis for other designs, learn more about the physics, mm. get better at it. Um, I have just got back into it and just finished the first island, which sort of like I built uh, a cool wagon with a big sort of catapult on the back. And that solved a lot of problems. And then when that wouldn't solve the problems, I did sort of um, spike wheels and flamethrowers that shoot out the sides to deal with smaller things. And then occasionally you'll get challenges like, I don't know, picking up some crates and sticking them somewhere else. And so I ripped off the top of my catapult wagon and replaced it with a kind of winch hoist apparatus mm. that worked nicely. And it's, 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 there's been a bunch of games like this, but it's a good example of that. Um, the stuff that seems kind of cool about, like, I, I, I obviously I remember when it came out and people were building absurd things with it, like robots with pneumatic dongs that punch towers to death and, you know, just, <laughs> you know, hearty stuff, um, Mm. hearty video game (laughs) stuff. And uh, from glancing at the Reddit today, that's only gotten more advanced. Something that's cool. Now the big thing they added with the 1.0 release thing is automation so that it now has sensors that can trigger particular button inputs. Cause Mm. you end up sort of with a mad map of inputs that your contraption requires to activate the various things. And you can remap stuff and build a control screen for the vehicle you're building. Cause you can build planes and helicopters and tanks and, walkers and stuff when you get good enough at it but people are using the automation for really cool things so it, it couldn't be like the simplest example is like a sensor that activates your weapons so your i don't know your side mounted spinny blade punch arm 
spangs out when a enemy walks into its path or something like that so you don't have to manually trigger it but people are using it for things like automatic stabilization for like one-legged vehicles where mm. it will it will huh. use the position of like different ass parts of the frame to gauge which way it's leaning and then deploy ballasts in the other direction or move oh ballasts around it to kind of yeah. automatically rebalance itself wow. and you can see these videos of like wobbly teetering robots that can now uh weight shift their weight to account for the the uh, stance basically which is super cool it's sort of i'm building catapult carts i should stress but people <laughs> out there will eventually build like a functioning human <laughs> with thoughts and <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like um it's only thought is punch towers to death with his <laughs> big pneumatic dong um but uh yeah so that's that's a nice thing like it's mm. it's it's a good little puzzle game i think they've is it multiplayer is it can you do robot wars basically i don't think you can but you can build levels for other people hmm. uh, maybe you can do multiplayer. I, there is a multiplayer you know option on the main menu but i assumed it was just downloading levels but potentially that'd be mm. kind of a fun thing yeah. actually it'd be strange if you couldn't do that thinking about it well, there might be a mad networking thing because it's mm. so physics-y, like it's mega, it's mega fixed. Yeah, it's one of the only games I can think of I that has a FPS really meter hard. as part of its main UI. Like, just <laughs> right. so you know when you fucked it. <laughs> like, um, yeah. one thing that's cool about it actually is so in a game like this, like any kind of contraption building game, you usually unlock parts over time, right? Like you expect to unlock parts over time. In this, you have access to everything. Yeah, did you find that overwhelming? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> completely overwhelming. Like, it, it has a fairly scant tutorial, which is like, here's how you do some basic stuff. And then after that, I guess the assumption is you just go to Reddit. Like, cause I, you know, I was sort of like, I sort of built my first basic stuff and I was like, I want to see what the, what did the good tutorials say I should have done, right? Like for building a catapult and thing. And that was quite helpful. Like, oh, I could have put a, you know, bracing beam across here and it would have helped with this issue I was having. Um, like, so I think it's a balance of, I think it's inevitably a balance of looking up other people's designs mm. and then fiddling with them and, and tweaking things. And it's so weird because I, when I played it in early access six years ago, maybe Dick, Jesus Christ, feels like it must be in that long. Yeah. Um, I was pretty sure it had, I'm pretty sure it unlocked things sequentially yeah, th- across so. quite a long campaign. Yeah, I thought so that as well. Have they taken it out? <laughs> well, I guess maybe I they're just the- satisfied with the number of people who've bought it now and just like, well, anybody who's still left in the community probably just, just yeah. wants to get straight to the stuff. I the guess, stuff. I mean, maybe I didn't tick something or whatever, but like mm. I, I went and clicked on, you know, the little world where you pick which islands you want to work through. And I picked on the first island and I had everything. Huh. Right. So, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have the same memory as Marty. Yeah. 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 I wonder, I, do you know how it's done at launch now? I, it was, it was on the Steam chart, if I remember right. Like I saw it because it was fairly high at the Steam chart. They had a sale. Like when I picked it up, it was only £3.70, which is Christ. a wow. big old okay. bargain. I, you see, only- I always wonder how these things do that have been in early access for long enough that they feel like they've been fully released for at least a decade. Yeah. And then they're out. And I wonder if being out actually really gives them that significant an uptick in sales i think it would because it reignites this interest like we're talking right. about it you, yeah, see, yeah. God, you see your friends playing it and like oh there's that game i was gonna always kind of try it out i yeah. think so a lot of yeah. this stuff comes down to when steam will give you an update round and mm. like when it's when steam will pass you around the you know algorithm mm. for uh pat on the head that's how yeah. that works incidentally um yeah. and i believe coming out of early access counts as releasing your game so that gives you that's that's the biggest update round at all of all i believe like and i think it's treated differently so a normal update round you can notify 
I believe anyone who obviously people who own the game and wishlist people and it helps with getting spotted. Yeah. Cause you, you know, you can demonstrate sign a life, makes your store page look better, et cetera. I believe Besiege was in the new and trending right. column on or the you know new and top top selling new games column whatever it's called on Steam, yeah. which is only possible if it registers this 1.0 update and the removal of the early access flag. And I wonder if it ever much. ever will reach full price again now, or its its destiny is to always be discounted. I don't know, but I suppose suspect it doesn't matter. No, like, no, yeah. yeah, yeah not I, the other thing is, I noticed it, it appeared in my Steam queue. Um, which to me indicates that I think inclusion in people's queues or sorry, their, you know, your, you know, your, um, whatever it's called is your queue, isn't it? Uh, the sort of top 10 games to have a look at. See if sure. You want them. Yeah. Discovery queue. Yeah. The discovery queue. Like I think inclusion in that can also be, uh, set off by something like right. 1.0 release. Yeah, yeah. So I suspect it will do well out of this. It will certainly- I, I mean, no, I didn't mean that they were, they were doomed. I meant just there's, there's just unseen voodoo that, uh, relates to, sales prices and pricing of games and yeah. it's it's completely impossible for me to know what the right thing to do is if you've been in early access for a long time and now you're suddenly released i mean can, can i ask and i hate to talk about the swamp but i've been thinking about it did hmm. the hunt come out this month no it came out, it came out last con- year yeah because it did came out in october last year right mm-hmm. but it came out on console this month Oh, maybe. No, it came out on PlayStation this month. That was the thing. Because it struck me as really weird that everyone started playing it this month. Mm. Yeah. Like, everyone, apparently. And well, also, it got all of its reviews this month. Yeah, I was wondering about the reviews. And, well, and one of like, the reviews definitely was only because Jim, like, Jim's right. sort of... And so I was, but I don't know what about the Euro game one. And so this is the thing. I was wondering, like, because it has really felt like the game came out this month. Because suddenly all the rev- like, loads of reviews were coming out. And it had this other launch on console. And everyone mm. was playing it. And I realized, hang on, is it just because the year in games media has been so slow this year that this has essentially been propelled by Jim's love of the game? Because he, (laughs) (laughs) like, like, you know, that it sort of spread from there to me, to my friends, to, you know, Mm. to like, to this podcast. And then that review on VG247. And then the only, I realized the only other reviews I've seen have all been UK journo types mm. and outlets so i just wonder if it's like this sort of i think it was definitely not really covered by mm. uk price you know prior to that yeah yeah it's kind of interesting anyway i'm sorry mm. for segueing into the forbidden the forbidden i love the swamp, swamp chris swamp. you can we can always gamble in the swamp you and i oh <laughs> yeah i just want to drown in it and i have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but no uh besiege seems super good if you're like just very fair engineering sort of puzzles and things. And, mm. um, it's funny when you fuck up and your catapult launches a bomb at itself <laughs> and it's just in pieces. I got an achievement for, uh, making a machine that goes faster than 60 miles an hour, but I definitely got that by accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he's out of control. Yeah. Oh good. Well, yeah, worried. like I, I didn't, I was going for throw bomb, not propel self. <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> my robo dongs. Yeah. I do like it when you build, uh, like a, a big, um, catapult and it, in, you've, you've gauged the weight of the projectile completely wrong. So it actually just flips the catapult yeah. rather than mm. propelling the arm forward. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's lots of good comedy in, in physics games, aren't there? There is. Yeah. I tried to build a slingshot with no real understanding of how a slingshot works. Mm. And I, I think I just created a device that rips the back half off and then hits the front <laughs> half with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, good. 
they're looking everyone nodding at Alex they're not, I want to talk about a couple of games actually oh. I, I was going to talk about the, a new early access game Ooh, beginning uh, of the journey is relatively dear to your heart anyway Shadespire come out Oh, it's Underworlds. Just come out on the, uh, yeah, I, well, I, Underworld, I, yeah, Warhammer Underworlds is its official title. Yeah, I played a, a bunch of this as well. I think oh, I may have mentioned it on the pod a few video weeks game. ago. Oh, yeah. did you? It's yeah, been yeah. out for a while then. Yeah, it's been out since oh, Lordy. Uh, late Jan. It's been out for a month, I think. Oh, okay. Well, it hasn't just hit it then. No. I think it's just hit my queue now then. Mm. Uh, so I won't, I won't, I won't go on about it then because I'm sure you covered the thing, but I wanted, what, one thing I did want to talk about was like when you play a, uh, a kind of a physical game that's been, you know, computer gameized, like, mm. like, uh, Underworlds or Magic the Gathering or in the card, any of the card yeah. games mostly, but also board games. Do they always feel to you in the initial sort of couple of hours so awkward and janky and weird? Because they, no. all of them have done to me. So, so, uh, Underworlds is a board game, but with a CCG sort of layer over the top. So you've got a hand of cards. So you're dealing with cards. We're also moving stuff around on a board. Um, and, uh, and there are lots of sort of, uh, phases within your turn. So there's a bit where you're moving your piece. And then there's a bit where, you know, like, and you, mm. during that bit, you've got to attack stuff or do whatever you choose. And there's also a phase where you're playing cards as well. Um, and there's a phase where maybe you score points as well, all in together. And so in that CCG way, like if you play Magic the Gathering, like your turn is comprised of various phases and you do certain things in each phase and you watch this little ticker trying to tell you which bit of the phase, which phase of your turn you're in. Um, and when you're playing face to face with somebody, that's kind of like an organic sort of informal mm. experience, like a negotiation with your other player. And sometimes you forget what you're doing and the other player goes, Oh, uh, you've got to pick up a card now. And you know, oh, this is a, in a game, this, a lot of it is m- automated. Uh, but the game has to tell you what's happening all the time. So when it rolls the dice, it needs to make sure you've seen what the dice roll was and what the other person's dice rolls was and like what the results of those two dice rolls were. And it has to tell you, oh, you're getting these cards now because, you know, mm. because of this reason. And now you have to make a choice. You have to dump these cards because you're in this particular part of the game. And I find, I, I find that really quite difficult to negotiate in, in when, mm. when I've played a game that I'm familiar with in the real world on a computer, they always feel leaden, uh, mm. to start with. And, and I totally recognize the importance of it, the game having to, to kind of communicate what's happening all the time. Hmm. But I find it really hard and really off-putting for a long time. So I played um, Magic the Gathering uh, online as well hmm. a, couple, you know, a few months ago. I think, you know, I think it's a really good version of it. I think it's it, it really works for me. Um, but again, I had that same sort of, and I could feel how much polish and thought had been putting into the timings and how long a card stays on the screen before it swooshes away to give you a chance to look at it. But of course, that time is never right because <laughs> when you don't know the game, it's never long enough. And when you do know the game, it's always too long because uh. you know the game, like you know the card. And there are opportunities, like I, there's definitely in, in, uh, in Underworlds, there's definitely a, a fast mode. Yeah. Which is, I think. They sped it up is, as well since it first came out. Yeah, I, I expect, yeah. Um, but yeah, 
And I keep misclicking. I keep looking at the wrong place on the screen to do stuff. I keep, you know, I've, I've thrown away cards that I meant to play because I was in the wrong phase for right. the choice, for the action that I made. Um, like, and this is, this is an early access and this is going to get massively buffed over time, I'm sure. But yeah, like, I think that as a design, uh, kind of, um, discipline, Doing physical games hmm. on computers is a fucking hard job. It is. I find it really interesting because I find all of that stuff quite a relief. Because you're Be- having to manage it yourself. Yeah, sure. because, you know, like Underworlds has a lot of phases. Yeah. And having that be kind of neutrally regulated by the computer so that it's just on you, the player, to understand what yeah. phase you're in. Like, I completely understand, for example, ditching cards at the wrong time. Um but it, you do have the information available to you. There's yeah, a specific yeah. symbol that says you're in the ditching card phase. Yeah. You know, you, as soon as you've internalized that. Cause I'm in the definite, it, I'm in the danger area where I'm, in, no, yeah. I'm no, I'm not looking at the prompts because I think I know how to play. Right. But now I'm not well yeah, enough aware and, of it to, to well, know. And that's actually a really good example because that end phase in Underworlds has a very specific order to it and has a specific order for a reason, but it's not the most intuitive way to play through that phase. In, 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 in effect, it's the end of a, a given round of play where players have a chance to score objective cards that they have met the conditions for across the course of their game, uh, spend points on upgrading some characters and then, and also, uh, d- d- uh, discarding and drawing cards of both kinds if they want to. And the specific order that happens in, in the game, which is important because it, changes the flow of information you have as a player. Um, but it's the area of the game that I have most often seen fudged in real life because, um, you know, the, the, there's a way it should go in terms of which is related to the initiative order of the pre- previous round. I don't want to bore people about this, but the, the fact is in a kind of friendly setting, I'm so used to people just going like, I'm doing this, this and this. You're doing this, this, yeah, and this, yeah. and you're almost doing it simultaneously sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it having no bearing on who had initiative in the previous round. All of that stuff, including like discarded cards being visible to your opponent, all of it is actually quite important. Yeah. But in a game of like traditional underworlds, if you ask to slow it down and do it properly, you, it's possible that you enter the sort of social dynamic of like, oh, you've been a bit rules lawyery there. So part of me quite likes that the, the game mandates mm. you just do it properly in the way that the game is designed that preserves the design of the game. Sometimes it doesn't matter, but it's one of those things that can. And so having the game step in and just structure it so mm. that, you know, I guess it does create a scenario where you didn't know which part of it you were in, so you accidentally yeah. And do the like wrong to thing, be but... clear, the game is actually quite clear about it. It has a little mm. thing running along the middle of the screen, sort of going clinky, 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 from telling you which bit of the phase you're in. But um, yeah, like I think it, it's definitely my fault and a hard design problem. Mm. Um, it's I think it's also showing up Underworlds as a pretty finicky game. <laughs> like yeah. I hadn't, I mean, I, I hadn't played it for a while. I really like, I really like it. I think it's a really clever game. And it is awfully um, finicky. Playing it on a computer, by God, you can, you you know, I was just playing against bots, but they, you know, you have a game in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like in real life, it's a good half hour, really. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting how fast it powers mm-hmm. you along. I think I said this when I last talked about it. It suffers from a few things. One is, well, maybe I didn't talk about all of this. One issue it has is that it's a game that competitively designed to be played best of three but they don't commit to that for the digital version. Oh. So uh, it's not a game that's designed, it's designed for best of one at all. Like, you know, it's, it's supposed to be a game where you discover your opponent's deck in the first round. And then it's about developing that understanding in conjunction with all the other mechanics over a best of three. 
and that's a bit of an issue. And the other issue it has, I think, is rage quitting because oh really? Yeah, yeah. because mm-hmm. it's a game with lots of different kinds of variants, including dice variants, card variants, matchup variants. Like that's another reason playing multiple rounds of the game over the course of the best, but multiple games in a match is important because it allows you to account variance becomes a less significant factor over time right whereas this is absolutely a game that you can be won or lost on the first few dice rolls in some cases and so you do see people just go like i'm gonna take a punt oh it didn't go my way bye and then you're queuing for another one but price yeah because it's i thought it's it's a game where you can you can come from snatch a victory from the jaws of defeat quite sometimes you know with the right kind of deck you can it's also a game where you can completely screw yourself. Yes. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. Like, you see this a lot with, like, people getting really aggro, and if the first initial kind of aggressive... Oh, it's, a super, it's very, very chancy game. It's very chancy to be aggressive yeah. in Underworlds yeah. for various reasons. Yeah. But yeah, like, um, so that's kind of interesting. I don't want to roll over your first impressions of it, Alex. No, I, I, mean, yeah. I haven't. I played three matches against the bot last night, but it's just, I just, yeah, I wanted to talk about that that interface stuff because it, these are interface games like if you know as a as a computer game it's all about interface mm. like it's a design game you know you're just translating it and therefore as as a game maker you're all you'll think you're an interface designer and that's mm. and that was sort of super interesting to it's me. it's notable that their goal clearly isn't to translate the experience of underworld it's yeah. literally a digital tabletop to play that game on with animations right yeah. like you are playing that game like they the initiative role doesn't need to work the way it does yeah at all it's got quite a weird way of determining initiative based on the symbols on the dice yeah. with a fairly arbitrary feeling priority yeah. order it's preserved that and that's based on the fact that the game uses only those dice so you have to they don't have numbers on them so you have to figure out some way of rolling a certain amount of them and determining who got the most points the computer could flip a coin for you like that's hmm. that's okay you know what i mean but like it's funny yeah. also because I, I could see I can see scope to because you know this is a it's a it's a competitive game you know this is sort of along the lines of you know magic or whatever or Hearthstone that's it's that's where it's sitting as a game. You could make a campaign like string yeah. a story around it. You know you could definitely build out the the fundamentals into a single player campaign and. Yeah, we could. I, I would they do that? Are they doing? That? I don't think they probably are doing that. But it's interesting that they haven't. There's no hint to that being. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool to do it. I think because Warhammer is very so story led, and you know this game is story led, like like all the Games Workshop stuff. Like it has yeah, shitloads of lore all around the the war bands that you're playing and where you are and what you're fighting over. Mm. And um, but that's may as well not exist in the game as it is now. Yeah, indeed. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. What do you play, Martin? What's the other thing you've been playing? You said you've been uh, playing two things. Well, I'll be quick on this one as well, actually, because... Um, you don't have the, to be. Well, yeah, you can take I, a I'm luxurious... Sure have, it's funny, I don't think I have that much to say about it. It's, it's oh. Generation Zero, which is a game that, that came out a year ago. Hmm. Um, it's a open-world cooperative shooter in oh. which uh, set in the 80s Sweden. Right, it's the thing that rips off Stone and Zollinghog's art. Yeah, it's pretty close. Oh, that yeah. one, yeah. 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 Avalanche, right? Uh, that's right. Avalanche is there. It was their kind of first sort of self, you know, new IP self-published game mm. made on a low budget by a small team within, within the studio. I wrote about it and it came out today. Um, talking about the fact that it, um, it launched really badly. Like the reviews were crap. 
and it you know was fairly badly reviewed by all steam users and and i was interested in it because they i looked at it again and like and now its recent reviews are very positive oh and so they mm. turned the game around it's not played by that many people still but like i was always interested in the game because like it's a weird one because it's taken the call of the like the hunter call of the wilds engine which is stunning like this is avalanche they're good at they're good at graphics so it's it's sweden a beautiful sweden with amazing weather effects forests and small towns and kind of coastlines and you know mist and sunlight dappling through forests and all that kind of stuff hmm. made by a small team um and you're uh, you're meant to be a little teenager i've got a nerd character wearing a sort of like pair of glasses and stuff um and uh he, he, <laughs> what a nerd wearing glasses <laughs> oh hang on We're both wearing <laughs> uh so the story is that you and your friends have been out on hmm. a little kind of on an island you know on a little kind of camping trip and you've returned home on your boat to, to discover that your family and everybody is gone from your town because dang robos have turned up military robos have turned up and they've mm. laid waste to everything um and the story the the, the game is essentially a, a, a journey and you you travel across a very very big area of land uh uh, from safe house to safe house. Safe house is essentially a place where you will respawn. So, uh, if you go on an excursion and get killed by robots, which is quite easy to do, uh, you'll spawn back at your safe house and you've got to redo that journey. And you are being driven along by carrying out quests, which essentially, you know, you find a thing saying, Oh, we've gone to the evacuation point. We'll meet there and like go to the evacuation point at the sports center in the middle of town so that you have to go there. And there are loads of robots there and you've got to survive so you can trigger the next bit of mission, get to the next safe house. Um, and I don't know what it was like at launch, but right now it's a cool world. It's like it's, it's a, one of the, you know, you're in suburban countryside Sweden, and that is a interesting place to be, you know, because mm. you're rifling through houses which have been recently kind of departed, and they look like kind of IKEA sets, and uh, they're all the same. You know, they're very, very similar to each other. There are I, there are not that many type like house models so you'll see the same ones over and over and you'll get used to their layouts which is kind of handy when you're trying to loot them because they're filled with radios there are there are some rooms can have three or four radios in them <laughs> and that's because radios are a, um, a tool that you can use to distract the robots so you throw a radio and the robots will come investigate it because the game wants you to not always take the robots on because the robots are quite hard to deal with and my technique for fighting is essentially to find a house and take pot shots of the robots from a doorway so they don't shoot you because if you're open if you're on the open against them they are quite fast and cool. you're it's you know, the gun mechanic is fairly sort of realisticy. so if you move your reticle is really wide and so and you need to get pretty accurate shots on the robots to have a stand you know to not just waste huge numbers of bullets against their armor they have a they'll most of them have a weak point on them which if you shoot it twice like you know with a fairly weak gun you know that they will explode and the explosions are really good <laughs> like and the ping and the pongs are like the the, the feel the weapon, you enjoy the ping, the ping the and the pongs i love the pings and the pongs of the robots <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> it feels if that, that stuff is really good, but because you're so inaccurate and because uh, they will surround you and they're fast moving, uh, I I tend to do one thing, which is to run inside a house mm. and then spend ages pot shotting them, which is fun for the now. Um, I've moved my order into a town explore the town and now there are kind of tanks kind of smoking in in these mm. roads and now i've made my way up into a bunker like up on a hill like a nuclear bunker and and i can't get in at the moment so i've been told to go somewhere else and on the way i found a crashed uh airplane with like a trail of fire across this this you know this field of of kind of recently uh um uh, harvested wheat like it's really atmospheric and there's always something new to find. But one of the criticisms of the game on launch was that there was nothing, you know, the, the world was really samey. There was nothing to find in it. Huh. And that's certainly true in the houses. Like you, you know, you're finding the same loot in the same kinds of houses. But when you go out on a journey, I keep finding interesting, cool stuff just to look at. Cool. And, you know, and I, mm. It's, I found it quite compulsive in a way that I don't tend to find those kind of survival-flavoured sort of uh, yeah. shooter games. Is there a survival mechanism? Do you need Not to really, get no. food? Oh, no. thank God for that. No, right. no you can run along uh, and, you know, no, no, there's XP and stuff you're earning that you're kind of buying yeah. perks with and whatnot. Oh, so, so tell me more about these robots and their pings and pongs. What, are there lots of different kinds of robots? There are lots of different right. kinds of robots. So there's uh, the, the common one you find at the uh, to, towards the start is this sort of dog-sized... It's like the General Dynamics, no, Boston Dynamics mm. one. It's a bit like that. And they'll bound around. Um, they'll sort of... They've got us like a machine gun on them, which takes sort of like pulses of shots at you, um, and they will try to surround you. Um, then is it a, one one hit you're dead sort of thing? What is it? Uh, it's not far off. Not far off. Um, I would say you can probably survive a salvo of that three or four. I've actually been caught out most by the so so on those that there's a weak point just above just on their backs. So mm. This feels a lot like um uh, horizon zero zero horizon uh, yeah zero dawn horizon. horizon zero dawn horizon yeah that it feels a horizon horizon dawn so like you shoot and like bits fall off them which is really nice as well mm. like really nice feedback and like you when you get the weak point like it is very clear that you hit the weak point um and uh, when when you hit that and you they die they explode and if you are within the you know, not that far away, you will get, you will get oh, badly hurt. Right. Which, but, but luckily, Do you just recover over time or do you need no, to heal items? No, you need um, health packs. Mm. And that's one of the sort of strange things about it. Like this thing with the radios, um, because it's so anxious for you to have the stuff that you need, at least in this early part of the game, I'm probably four or five hours played so far. Um, it's throws health packs everywhere. So you go inside a house and like, there are health packs fucking everywhere. There I mean, are this radios. is just true of Sweden. Everywhere, you know? yeah. mm. It's a very safety very conscious healthy, place and they love place. radio. <laughs> <laughs> and flares <laughs> yeah. and fireworks. That's all they have. Actually, fireworks, I think there may be rules regarding the uh, use of fireworks <laughs> in Sweden. I think they're not determined to be safe for general usage. <laughs> Maybe it was okay in the 80s. Yeah, the lawless time. But it does feel a bit weird that like you spend a lot of time picking up health packs, but then you also use a shitload of health packs. So mm -hmm. you're kind of going, oh, fucking hell, I've got to pick up all the health packs. 
Um, I will say this sounds really good. Yeah, you got like a nice. There's a nice sort of binoculars. Hmm. It it rewards careful play, like looking. You see, you know, they it, the game concentrates the robots around attract uh, attractions. That jet that crashed on on the you know in the in the field. There are, of course, there are robots around it. So, you know, I had a look at them and hadn't had a fight with those ones. There are wandering ones as well. There are also, um, there's also mechanical rivals where sometimes when you're killed by a robot or you kill a certain number of robots in an area, uh, a robot is sort of given a specific designator and you know about it and it's sort of slightly more powerful and it sort of, you know, becomes this sort of nemesis mm. kind of style sort of robot, which Eh, it's alright. <laughs> there are bikes. Ooh. The bikes are horrible to use. Oh. <laughs> but it's, it's nice. It's a lot nicer than I thought it was going to be. And. Are you playing it co-op or? No, uh, I've been playing on my own. I'd like to play it. I'd like to play it. Co-op. Yeah, I should jump in yeah, that. Yeah, it's, you? it's, you know, it's like, I think it'd be a nice tense, hmm. um, like when you're on your own, like you don't want to die, but also, you know, you don't have anyone relying on you. So when you do die, you go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think when you're together, I think that it's sort of more pressure, tension, tension mm-hmm. and the ability to do more interesting things and cower in a house sort of maybe increase. I wonder if anyone will re-review it. I wonder. I doubt it. No. <laughs> it's time is gone, I think. Um, yeah. I don't know whether they can turn it around. It's quite, I mean, it's quite an interesting case study for, you know, a large-ish studio known for working with publishers tries to go alone and it didn't it i think that it probably wasn't you know i thought they think they've learned a shitload um and i think that the game is probably worthy of the studio now more or less i don't know how it pans out over mm. you know year, hours and hours and hours and hours, and hours. Mm. i don't know whether it's going to sustain you know drip feeding interesting new stuff i've certainly come across a big robot i've seen flying robots as a big mm-hmm. walkery robot which took loads of shots, but I'm so weak, you know, you know, I'm so sort of feeble, my nerd character and me in real life, uh, that, that the idea of a really heavily armored robot, especially one at night standing in a forest when I'm carrying a house, so I can't really see it. It wasn't, wasn't a nice thing to be, (laughs) it wasn't really tension filled. It was just kind of like, Oh, for fuck's sakes, using up all my ammo. But anyway, yeah. Generation Zero. If it goes on sale, take a look. Hmm. Hmm. I think I might. I think I might look at it. I think I might try and play it with you this weekend if you're if you're. Yeah, we can up ask you where, go, go, where you've been to these places. It's all in Swedish yeah. as well. Like the voiceover is all in Swedish. It'll which be is a, good. A nice little trip down memory lane. Yeah. I mean, you were hunted through by robots, <laughs> <laughs> destroyed many robots, and listened to an awful lot of radio. Uh, I've been I, actually. I've been uh, listening to. Uh, not radio. That's a terrible segue. There's not a radio in the game I've played. This is a podcast. You know what else happens on a podcast? People talk about different games. Marsh, Thanks. did you play a game? I did play a game. Yeah, oh, wow. I've been um, I've been playing the Suicide of Rachel Foster, um, oh. which is <laughs> yeah, it's not a not a really upbeat title, is it? I mean, it's a it's a walking sim with high production values. I remember, in fact, when I mentioned you've been playing this, you you asked why there've been. Uh, a spate of reviews of this yeah. because why particularly this game has been seized upon when there's quite a lot of other walking simulators out there and w- why this one has yeah. been picked up by a lot of the major outlets when none of them really seem to like it that much yeah, and the studio is not they've done a, so i looked at they've done a vr yeah. pinball game or something like that or something. i mean daedalic published it 
um, who also published the the game that we were talking about a week ago, a year without rain, I think it was called that f- flopped and disappeared without trace. So I mean, mm. but I mean, Daedalic are a reasonably large studio, so maybe they just have the the reach, the PR reach to put it in people's hands. I don't know why it's uh, it's been picked up to the extent it has. Really, um, maybe it's just the- what, what made you play it. Specifically, why did you choose it? Well, I don't know that I'm a good um, measure of what the audience in general is for this game because I particularly wanted to play something that was like the antithesis of Hunt because I've been playing Hunt pretty much continuously um, all day when I should have been doing other things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, the, the games that I've sort of gravitated towards in my Hunt downtime are things which are narrative-y and maybe short form and perhaps less fucking intense and terrifying. Um, but I don't think that's probably the experience of most of the people who gra- gravitate towards this game. I think maybe it's just, I mean, A, okay, so they've gone out of their way to signal what kind of game it is by calling mm. it the Suicide of Rachel Foster, which, which is immediately- Pretty ballsy, I'd say. Which sounds exactly like the vanishing of Ethan Carter yeah, in, yeah. in structure. Um, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, What Remains of Edith Finch is yes. the other side of that same name title. Yeah, and in fact, it probably shares more with that game than it does with um, Vanishing of Ethan Carter, um, because it's about exploring uh, a single location. Um, but I wonder if it's just, there's just been a period of time when there weren't, weren't that many other walking simulators of a certain sort of level of budget, mm. and this has just ticked those boxes, you know, it's got proper voice acting, chick. And, you know, it looks like people have spent some money on it. Right. But it's in, it's in the category of things that it's interesting that you, that title is already puts it in a bracket, but the bracket it puts it in is the kinds of games that have gotten awards over the last couple of years. Right. Like if it is, if, if it is strong, then it immediately sort of races above maybe its budget or its, its scope to Mm -hmm. kind of be one of those things in contention. Right. Like it isn't strong, Chris. It's bad. Oh, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry to. That's okay. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 um, uh, I played it through to completion, but really only for the sake of this podcast, unfortunately. And it's a, it's a, it's a shame. Okay. So the first thing I have to mention, it has the most egregious, excessive head bob of any game I've played. I think <laughs> it is, it is like you are drunk on a ship that is tossing in a stormy sea. It is mad how much your head moves when you're simply moving forward. It's like you're. Marsh is like, miming like a, a kind like a of walrus, or something. like a flopping, regurgitating something. Yeah, kind of. yeah. That sort of pelican. Or yeah. then, even when you move sideways, you kind of drop like a whole foot in the air and then oh. rise back up again. It's wow. weird. I don't know why they've done it. There's no way to turn it off. It made me feel physically ill. <laughs> um, <laughs> did it? Did it suggested a body that was? Gross mouthformed. <laughs> well, this is because I, be I was wondering if there was like a law reason for this. I mean, you you know quite a lot about your character's childhood, and nothing seems to be uh, excessively weird about her body then because she plays. Uh, I can't remember what sport is hockey, I think, or something. Um, oh, and then hockey industry um, injuries. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe she got just nobbled at some point, and now has really bandy legs as a result. I, I don't know, but it's <laughs> and a wobbly neck. But it, it's really. Uh, I mean, that alone. Uh, just it's, <laughs> was it sick making it yeah it really was i mean it's really serious how how over the top it is and also you're way too tall for the car you get out of anyway <laughs> well all of this can be explained if your lower half is a spring like zebedee from magic roundabout you can scrunch up to fit in a car yeah and maybe you're really good at hockey because nobody can take yeah. your feet out from underneath you but you that's, bam, there bam you go that is one one art change <laughs> solved 
Um, anyway, actually, I mean, one of the reasons I did play it is because, um, it's, it's an option. I, I like mystery games and this actually has quite, uh, a challenging, synopsis in that it goes for subject matter which is pretty mm. fucking harsh sounding but also um there is just at its center quite an intriguing scandal basically an intriguing mystery and that is that when you were 16 your father uh, is revealed to be having an affair with one of your peers uh, a student of his no less um and this causes the dissolution of your parents marriage and uh, you leave uh, and never to see uh, your father again during his lifetime and the eponymous Rachel Foster, who is the 16-year-old who your father uh, is interested in, um, kills herself uh, along with her unborn child. So, like, I mean, right out of the gate, this is some heavy fucking oh, stuff. Uh, and it's grim. And, you know, there is a moment in the game where you think it's going to engage with this stuff in a mature way, but instead it just uses the gravity of the situation to slingshot itself straight into the fucking sun. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. So anyway, the game is, so all this stuff has happened in the past. That's in the 1980s, I think. And then the game is set a decade later, which is the 1990s. That's how, um, yeah, that's how time works. And uh, I guess it's set in the 1990s, partly to excuse the use of uh, a telephone to talk to a person continuously throughout the game, but not a really good telephone, but one of those kind of giant brick telephones, like the first telephones. So you can excuse the fact that nobody has texting and you can't get in contact with loads of other people. It also largely excuses why you may walk like you're in the video for Madness is One Step Beyond. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, That's what was playing throughout the game. Anyway, so so, um, your parents are both dead. Uh, they ran a hotel together. Your mother owned it. Your father carried on running it after your, your mother and yourself disappear. Uh, but it's actually your inheritance. And so you return to this, I think it's called... Ah, uh, the, the old inheritance two-step. Yeah, you ret- it's, and it's the Timberline Lodge, which obviously brings back ideas of, the, you know, the shining. Is and it sort of Pacific Northwesty? It's in Montana in the in the mountains. So it's oh, okay. sort of like so a pine, a piney, pine ski lodge. Piney. But I'm just thinking of the, the now tropes of this yeah. subgenre, right, where you're always yeah. returning to somewhere in the Pacific Northwest... I mean, it could be. It's Montana's it's, not far. It's, it's not, not far. far. It's not miles off. What it's, I'm saying is... It's more is, snowy than wet, uh, is, right. is the main difference, I guess. Right. Uh, what I'm saying is you're either in, like, Washington or yeah. Oregon yeah. or a space station named after somewhere in Washington. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, so the, 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 this is the thing that the game really has going for it is the Timberline Lodge Hotel itself. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's decaying. Your father obviously wasn't able to carry on running it and far, part of it's fallen into disrepair. But it's still this really kind of incredibly credible space. Mm. That's not a phrase I should have used. It's a very credible space. Incredibly um, credible. Incredibly incredible. Incredibly incredible. 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 Um, is it incredible or is it credible? It's credible, but also to the point where actually it's unbelievable. It's, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievably credible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's maybe too believable to be a game space in some ways because it's quite tangled. It feels like it's probably based on real, a real footprint of an actual hotel because it doesn't necessarily feel that good to move around all the time. Like, it's um, everything too small feeling or it, like it looks right, but it's nasty, to, like small to move around. In. It's entangled uh, in a way which the gameplay does not make advantage of in an interesting way. It's it's just like oh I've gone the wrong way to the laundry room, uh, right. you know. Uh, and uh, that, that's a, that's something that could have been interesting in the game. Like they could have exploited the fact that this is a complex space, but actually the game structure doesn't doesn't permit that in at all, uh, which is something I'll talk about later. But um, 
So you're there. It's 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 a it's really intriguing, explorable space, and you're shut in there for a period of time because there's a big snowstorm and you can't get out. Um, and so you're forced to confront the the ghosts of your past. Literal ghosts or metaphorical ghosts? Oh, it's going to be ghosts, he got, isn't has it? Got spirits. He's, he's got the twinkly eyes of a man who's seen. <laughs> A bad creative decision. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I'm, I'm down with all of that, actually. I, I think that, mm. um, you know, the, the premise, I mean, I'm happy for it to tackle this challenging subject matter as a matter of, That's you true. know. That's I was being reductive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and the, the, the space is exciting, I think. Um, and I, the artists have done a really good job in creating a hotel. Let's not take it away from them. It's really Has good. it got a big bear? Is it an incredible bear? job? <laughs> it's pretty incredible, yeah. Pretty incredible. Does it have a big stuffed bear? I think there is a, maybe there is a bear. There's definitely, a, there's a definitely a moose bear. head. Good. Um, but there's the weird thing about, so they kind of throw this hotel away a little bit because there's no point exploring it. Like the space is saying, run around me like an excited child in a, in a big hotel, like you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but you're kind of led through the nose bite. There's no point going anywhere until you're literally told to go there. Um, because you can't interact with the things. Although there's lots of things in the environment that you can interact with completely pointlessly. Like, yeah, I, I, this is the gone home thing where you can pick up loads and loads of items and you're like, well, that's, that's a really nice cigarette, uh, case, I guess. Put it back down again. Um, and it doesn't seem to be. It doesn't comment on it. Oh, this is the cigarette case that my mother liked. Well, some things are meaningful and a lot of things aren't. So it's not really well flagged up and it feels a bit, bit like time wasting. And you are kind of just led through it. Um, so the game's structured in a series of days, basically, and you have, you have more or less decide upon one objective per day uh, and you then. You decide. Oh, you, well, you no, said that. No, you don't. Your character does uh. in conversation down the phone. With a FEMA agent whose um, job it is to safeguard your stay at this hotel during this historic storm. Oh, so we've got a bit of fire watching here. So you do, yeah. It's very fire watching. <laughs> um, Wyoming. Uh, it's oh, not yeah. That, it's not that far. It's fully it's voiced, far. like I said. And the actors are trying their very, very best with what is uh, a really clumsy script. Um, but unlike Firewatch, I would say that... Uh, their conversation, which you nis- listen to near constantly, is almost immediately and enduringly irritating. Um, and it's really curious. Is it the Firewatch model? Or is it... Well, somebody rings you up or you ring them up. And yeah, but sure, like, is, there, is there a relationship, the Firewatch model of kind of, you know, a relationship sort of grows through the calls? That's the idea. Right. Um, but it's it's really curious in the, in the, in the number, sheer number of ways in which it... it it is irritating. Um, um, and I, I feel a bit bad about this because I mean, games are like, you know, they're complex things to put together and they're composite. And, you know, one of the main challenges of, of this medium, which is essentially like a collage of different media is that one part doesn't always fit with all the others. Um, mm. And that's just a common complaint. I think game gamers are usually pretty good at compartmentalizing these things and discarding the parts that don't quite work or excusing them and enjoying the, the bits that do work together. But, this is a game in a walking similar. So you really only have two verbs, walk and talk. Bob and talk. And, and it's weird that these two things don't fit together. Like even just walking to one place 
as is your objective, will not take the same amount of time as the conversation you're having. Oh, no, oh, man, because that was a firewash thing. It's like, you know, you've got to walk a distance and you're going to have a conversation which lasts that length or it's meaningful mm. for the length that it lasts within that journey. Yeah, but in, instead you're, you're waiting for this really kind of ambulatory, inefficient conversation to end. Um, so you're standing before you around can, before the door. Like, yeah, you're, oh. you know the thing you're going to click on next and you're, you're waiting to click on it. You're waiting to click on it. And eventually <laughs> this conversation ends. You click on it. Back comes the phone. And it sounds like you've just woken up the other character, even though you're speaking to them like a second ago. And like, okay, so, you know, maybe production-wise, those two conversations meant to happen at a different cadence and it got truncated in some way. But you can find ways of excusing it as it a, like a production like but it because yeah but because it's the sole focus of the game it becomes really apparent and much more grating i think than if it was in a in another game which had a lot more moving elements um on top of this the actual content of the dialogue is isn't so good um there are in fact, I've got a list of three ways in which uh, it doesn't <laughs> quite work for me. Um, so, and now um, we turn to the <laughs> so crime number one. Um, it doesn't match what you, the player, feels or logically knows at any point what your character is saying. So, I mean, in one of ways this expresses itself is your character is absolute dickhead at the beginning of the game, just a complete asshole. This she's really rude and unpleasant to this female agent. Um, and uh she she wants to leave the hotel as soon as possible and you're like no i'm the player i've just got here i quite like to know what's going on i don't know why i've been so rude and fine it's a dramatic choice to have a character who's really kind of offensive mm. um but you don't i it's a kind of bold move to put that aggressive voice inside the head of the player from the get go mm. right for no real obvious reason yeah. and she's also guilty of just at points, she doesn't ask the questions, which is so fucking pertinent at that point. Like, a cool then you'd be like, what? You didn't fucking ask about this? And, and then other times, she'll make these kind of huge leaps, which aren't, you aren't privy to. So there's at one point, uh, during her sleeping hours, it seems, she goes from wanting to leave the hotel at the nearest opportunity, and you wake up, and you're looking at a fucking detective-style murder board with red string on it, and she's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this mystery. And you're like, what did, what happened? When did that decision get made? It's just... <laughs> and it's, this is a linear game, right? The, the, yes. Is there, there's no way to, you, to, you to have done this out of, like, in a different order. You can't do... Uh, anything out of sync. No, it's really frustrating. So and, and, right, and sometimes you're making, they know exactly what you know at any point during the story. Supposedly, yes. Although there's periods that, so it, it doesn't, you don't sort of like have an entire day and then get into bed. Uh, just you'll complete whatever amount of the story it judges to be sufficient for that day. And suddenly it'll go black screen day two. And you don't know what's exactly happened between those, those, that period of time, but you are in a different place, which is annoying because you might've decided, Oh, I'd quite like to go to that room and have a look at that picture or something like that. And then, but you can't because you've been whisked away you through a, a loading screen. To, yes. To the, to the sleep, sleep claims land. you. Yeah. Also, it's not a great piece of writing. So this is point number two. Uh, it's not a great piece of writing. I suspect that the writer's language isn't, uh, uh, native English. It's not, sorry. He's, <laughs> the writer's native language isn't English, I should say. Um, that means like a lot of, uh, the idiom and jokes and turns of phrase just don't quite work. And it sounds strange and, uh, sort of worse than that is it's just a really inefficient piece of writing. Like, I mean, not just because, uh, the writing doesn't match the time that you have to do objectives, but because 
you'll phone up this FEMA guy and ask him a question and he'll go like, huh? And then your character will just repeat the question and <laughs> you're like, I don't have fucking time for this. You know? Yeah. It, it, I think it's meant to kind of give a sense of verite to the dialogue, mm. but there's no verite to the dialogue. That's that, that, I was going to say that, that ship has flown. Um, <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But it just, I mean, it, it, there's so much of the game that you feel impatient with that having this kind of flab to it is just incredibly mm. frustrating. And I uh, just, just, just I've, I've shouted, shut the fuck up multiple times just because I want to be able to click on a fucking picture or something. Um, point number three, <laughs> I assure you that there's not that much left to this uh, diatribe. Um, so just, just, just to recap point one. <laughs> 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 so there's a mismatch between player intention and the characters and the dialogue word by word isn't that fun to listen to and um the final point is that the thematic conclusions that it arrives at are uh gormless at best and deeply fetid at worst um and so, and so I love like, the, the, that's a sliding scale like gormless to fetid <laughs> You don't see that at the end of an IGN review, do you? <laughs> this is what a real game reviews like. One of these four buttholes things. Oh, you said we were gormless. Oh, we're not so, so bad. <laughs> it could have been fetid. Anyway, sorry. I think more people should review by my scale. Yeah. Anyway, by gormless, I mean that um, uh, at one point, uh, the, the FEMA agent says, you know, we have to work out what this this character from the past was trying to tell us and the conversation ends and immediately a chalkboard rotates to reveal the word murderer written across it. <laughs> um, Not even backwards because I'm getting big shining vibes from the whole... Yeah, yeah. actually it doesn't lean that heavily into the shining as, as much as it could. Um, but but, but oh, another, another example. Your, so your father, despite being a hotel owner, is also really cursorily characterized as being this savant f- physicist. And this has almost no bearing at all on anything in the plot, except one point where a character repeatedly insists on using the phrase horizon of events in completely inappropriate circumstances. I guess because it sounds science-y. It's like the event horizon or the yeah. film event horizon. <laughs> Sam Neill. He was a hardened <laughs> cinema goer. Yeah. No, he's just talking about her- events. He doesn't need the word horizon in there, but he puts it in because it so sounds like... Play. It's a bit like... It's a horizon bit like zero dawn. And I'm like, that's not how metaphors work. <laughs> And, and in fact, this is this is even more accentuated by the key art for the game, which you might have seen on the Steam store, which is a um, a pink dental retainer that looks a bit like a butterfly, and they make a great point of trying to make it look more like a butterfly throughout the game. But that's not a metaphor. It's just a thing that looks like another thing. It doesn't. It's nothing. <laughs> is it like the nothing butterf- there? It's like the butterfly effect, I guess. No. Or like something coming out of a chrysalis. No, it's not. Or like something about how I guess dental retainers like have a kind of you know puberty kind of connotation. So people transform Ooh. into their adult forms uh, through that period in their lives, uh. shedding their larval dental uh. retainer form and well, turning d- into a has he dental. It? You've done a lot more work than the game has. <laughs> but also, no, because that character oh. dies. That character oh. kills herself at the age of sixteen. Ah, oh, yeah, but he's truncated. It's, well, what was the point of creating all those yeah, teeth? Yeah, the dental retainer hadn't die. finished turning into a butterfly, Marsh. It's just a fucking mouth guard. There's nothing... You can't make it into a butterfly. It's just it No matter nice. how you try. Huh? Does it look nice? 
when it no it's a, you've seen mouth guards before they're horrible <laughs> it's thing, it doesn't i don't know what it's meant to evoke like it's a mouth guards a stinking things that smell of people's I saliva think it's, meant to be it's redolent not of tra- tragedy it's not it's not i think you're meant, i think you're supposed to think about how this is beautiful and also made of wire and a bit industrial and scary yeah. at the same time yeah i suspect there may be uh, it's an, an intrusion yeah. into yeah. the body but it's also beautiful in a way mm-hmm. yeah. but it isn't yeah it's not but by fetid <laughs> Yeah. Let me get onto the Let's fetid. Go. We okay. haven't got to fetid. I'm just saying, yet. like, I think there's some Donnie Darko adjacent symbolic material you could hoist from this if you really wanted to. You'd have to work really hard, is what I'm, I'm saying. saying. You're putting your you back know. to the winch. You're having a lot of besiege. <laughs> <laughs> so the the um, the suicide material we is return. dealt with extraordinarily badly, um, and I, there's there's stuff which is in it which I won't spoil because it's kind of uh, extremely uh, climactic plot stuff, but. Um, None of it makes any sense from a narrative perspective, really. Uh, and it feels a bit cheaply dramatic and narratively a complete cop-out. But worse than that is the way that the game deals with the handling of your father banging a 16-year-old, which, um, who is, as I said, his student and also a family friend. But at when no he's a point... a physicist... Is he he coaching her in hotels or coaching her in physics? Coaching her in something, math, I think. I can't remember. She also, uh, there's an allusion to having a speech impediment at some point, and maybe he helps with her linguistics because apparently that's the thing physicists can do. Hoteliers are very good at that. (laughs) (laughs) But so like the exploitative dimension of that relationship is not at all explored. It's not even referred to. Like your character is angry with your father at the beginning, but as far as I can tell, the crime he has committed is uh, infidelity to, to your mother. There's no point in which it suggests that this is maybe an, an inappropriate relationship for a very old man to have with a very young girl for other reasons. And Jesus, like I, you know, I'm open-minded. And if it was the point of the game to somehow exonerate this, uh, this seemingly unusual relationship by saying there was a real true mm. and, uh, deep and enduring love there underneath, despite this alarming age difference, then that might be one thing. But the game doesn't do that. It just presents a platitudes like, no, oh, it was real love. And you're like, really? But that's, that's not really good enough, you know? Yeah. And I, th- I think just to, just to have that material in it and then mm. not, to, not right. to understand not it. To address the, like, I don't, I don't know what the, age of consent was in the 80s in was it montana, montana yeah. in montana i don't know yeah but and i don't know what the age of consent is in the country where this is written if if it is indeed not. Italy, italy i think right but that's a big old factoid that you have to address in the story of the thing correct yeah, yeah i think so it doesn't really like not that not that the legal age of consent is the only consideration there mm. but it would be a, a yeah. factor weighing on the lives of the characters one way or another yeah, it's right? like it's a yeah it's a if you're going to bring it up you it's such a live wire of a, a touch paper. Yeah. And then there's a few other things in the game which are more spoilery, which feel just like, like you say, like live wires that, uh, are they exploit? Are they there to titillate or is it sort of? No, I don't think it's so. I'm, I, I will give the game credit for not being salacious about this stuff, which is something it could have done. Uh, but it, 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 it just doesn't, it doesn't have the mind to, to engage with it. Hmm. which is hmm. which is weird and uh and, and bad but not as bad as the head bobbing which is the worst thing about it <laughs> so there you go that's my review oof oh i've got muddy shoes <laughs> is that what it was <laughs> no <laughs> what's it i've fallen in the mud i'm stuck in the muck oh no <laughs>
Oh no, I'm stuck in the muck. I'm stuck in the muck. Oh no. Why? It's like a high-pitched Alan Bennett. Yeah, but <laughs> what was it? What was the genesis? I really don't know what the inciting <laughs> incident for this was. This is like one of those phrases that you can't escape, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you it's get you give me my head now. Yeah. <laughs> my tinnitus. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that because it's like, that's some fucking like comment in your code now. And it's going to be the last thing you ever hear. <laughs> yeah. You get a fever and like, it's just echoing. Well, you know what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to die in a landslide and it's, it's going to say my grace tone. <laughs> He was stuck in the muck. <laughs> you, you, um, you stuck, uh, uh, palate cleansing citrus into my brain. Yeah. Do you get it every time you peel an orange now? Yep. <laughs> what, yeah. is it? What, what was? Just a phrase. Palate cleansing citrus. Yeah. Palate cleansing citrus. Yeah. I just like. I get, I do, I have, uh, let's shed some light on the situation when I just have the notion to switch a light on. I think I might have given you that one as well. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> you might have done. I think it's the thing I've <laughs> mindlessly like intoning for years. <laughs> Human wound in the psychosphere, Marsh Davies. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Both fetid and gormless. That's me. I'm stuck in the muck. Yeah. Cursed language obelisk. <laughs> oh wow. Should we do some questions? M- yeah, Mild creepy pasta. <laughs> I think we're beyond the point where that segue is gonna make sense, aren't we? So mm. Should we just, just do questions now without yeah. without a segue? I could say it if you like. No, I think it's, I think we might as well go with what we've got. All right. Plunge on. TJ Howes writes, hello. Hello. <laughs> a few years ago, I was couch ridden for a month following a botched vasectomy. Oh. I played a lot of Slay the Spire with a gamepad to distract myself from the scrote agony. Slay the oh. Spire became my comfort game for when I'm feeling poorly. Do you have a comfort game you play when you're sick? Something not too demanding, but engaging enough to distract you from the ails of your flesh prison. <laughs> Cheers, TJ House. Slay the spire, though. That's, that's my... too. It's too brainy. Like if it's... no, it's that's not the reason. I was anyway. Uh, the... <laughs> oh God, Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, uh... The uh, comfort games. Hmm. I was feeling a little bit poor the other day, and I I sparked up. A, an Big old, old campaign d- on Total Warhammer 2, mm. which had already beaten and hadn't kind of, cause you, you, you can continue playing. And I didn't have any of the time pressure stuff. So I could just conquer mm. gently at my own, um, own rate. And it's a game where you can go into it gently and then you think things can mm, kind of I had that urge. Up. I came off a very, very sort of stressful week, work fortnight and really wanted to like, sink into a grand strategy for an afternoon. I didn't. I just played Hunt, which is not a recuperative game. It's just a game I like a lot, so I don't want to use this as an excuse to talk about it. I'll probably use a later question for that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. I did find recently that um Maud Howe with Friend was genuinely, genuinely kind of uh, healing in hmm. some ways. Like, I, I don't say that tremendously lightly. I think it's because it's a game where I don't give a tiny smallest weeniest little shit about its progression really and i can just do fun loadouts and throw spears at a friend 
and have th- spears thrown at me and I genuinely enjoy it and there's something about it's just pure play and there's no progression there's nothing to win or lose really well there is you can have your head chopped off the bardiche by a racist but you know other than that measure of loss which is something we've all gotten used to in the last couple of years there's there's nothing that hurts and so there's I've actually find it genuinely therapeutic it's like hanging out on a server when you're 16 playing avp and that's what you do all day because mm. that's that's what there is so yeah that's been genuinely good i mm. think that's partly because i'm not challenging myself i'm not competing against myself or anyone else I'm just enjoying physics and men yelling mm-hmm. it's nice i like open world games where i where i just go back and explore a little bit of the map that i haven't bothered to go to before mm, and yeah. it's usually nothing there it's just like i haven't gone up to the actual boundary of the world yet but um I, I like doing that. I like getting yeah. just a bit of cowboy game pottering. Exactly. Yeah, I've been going around the entire boundary of the mm. explorable space in Red Dead Redemption just to push back the fog as far as I can around the map. Uh, I found that very satisfying. Nice. Mm. No uh, combat. Yeah, just... cougars. Generally. No, I mean there aren't really that many animals that attack you in, no. in in Red Dead Two, which is quite nice. That was a problem. I think that's been a problem in um, it's certainly a problem in Far Cry games. I mean, you're just being attacked almost continuously. But, um, yeah. I've been promising myself a trip back to Jedi Fallen Order, which I finished, mm. just to mop up some of its side stories, because that's a nice, that's a nice thing. Yeah, that I think would be a nice thing to return to. Yeah, as a treat. Like, it's, 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 um, it's telling to me that I haven't, because it's almost like, that's almost like breaking the glass on actually chilling out and playing a video game. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Like, which hasn't actually happened yet. But yeah. nonetheless. I had, I actually, yeah, now I think about it, because, um, I had an unfortunate flight the other day where I went to a country and then I had to come back from the country because the country didn't let me in. So uh, I came back feeling pretty tired mm. uh, and I put on um, a, a Assassin's Creed Greece Odyssey. Odyssey. Ah. Are you talking and about Mythic Quest? Well, initially I found it quite relaxing because, but it gets it gets very intense very quickly. Like, you know, because it will just you, know, you get into a fight. Well, it must it be a whole scales life. Scales right? up, but then yeah, it it's it. Then I started feeling stressed because all the quests started. Oh, I should be doing some quests, and then which quest? And oh, look at the cultists. How do I find that? Cult? Where do I start with all the cultists? Where do I? Oh, and then you know, I go to the place where one of the cultists is meant to be found, and then I kind of oh, I just found it so stressful. I'd switch it off because it's just things were higher level. Too than you many expected, things. Or? No, it wasn't even that. Everything was within my reach. Mm. It was just so Buzzy. much of it buzzing around, mm. kind of wanting attention. It's like a holiday with a real fast itinerary. It was, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was like that, or like yeah, sort of like a. a Bunch of lads. We're gonna go to the bar. We're gonna go yeah. to the bar. Like a yeah, stag weekend, yeah. overplanned yeah, stag it was weekend, like an overplanned mm. stag weekend. Oh dear. Why are all games like this? Mm. Cowboy game is a nice, quiet one though. Actually, it's quiet. Yeah, drip feeds all this stuff to you, and because uh, encounters with characters are based on the time at which they appear during the day. There's not always lot. There's not a map which is just covered in icons either, which yeah. is quite nice. Mm. Yeah. David writes, "Hi all." Hearing Marsh talk about the creature in the well in episode 310 reminded me of two things. That the game existed, adding yet another entry to my list of games that I want to play but never will, and that the concept really reminds me of Firestalker. It also puts the player into the role of a moving pinball paddle, though it sounds like the creature in the well is much more forgiving. I never played it when I was a kid, but it has remained firmly lodged in my mental encyclopedia of SNES games that from pouring over issues of Nintendo Power. 
So many game mechanics are repeated over and over. I was surprised to hear about a game using a relatively unused idea. What game mechanics have been lying fallow that you'd like to see reused? Take care, David. The game I'm playing with myself right now is Don't Say Skiing. <laughs> but my brain is refusing to think about anything other than tribe. So you, is not saying skiing the mechanic that's lying fallow that you'd like to bring back? Uh, yeah, in a sort of meta-podcast <laughs> sense, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm, fuck, skiing. Well, Tribes? No, why, no, why, why are you holding yourself back from the skiing? Because I, I, I wang on about tribes all the fucking time, oh, okay. Alex. It's because... Right. Yeah, it's because... And I, I sort of... I don't know, I've been on a journey with this where I now understand that adding like finesse you know any kind of really finessey movement mechanic to your competitive team shooter is a mm. rapid way to the bin like yeah. it's a way to dumpster yourself entirely and and the, the fortunes of everybody you work with <laughs> um but i admire it every time someone tries clifford it's one for you buddy <laughs> um and like at the same time i think it's i think it's because I think maybe to answer the question the other way around, the reason people don't do this is games trade so heavily on immediate interactability with like a set of mechanics that are familiar to everyone. And as soon as any part of that feels super weird, yeah, it's, it's like maybe the secret to unlocking the potential of the game you were playing, Marsh, is that you are a big old spring man or whatever. <laughs> and like yeah. you've got to, you know, propel yourself through this mystery one way or another mm. and dealing with. <clears throat> your own I mean, situation. you are in a chalet, so skiing would be a natural choice, really. But... I'm not saying that you had skiing from tribes <laughs> to every walking simulator, but am I? That's the question. Um, I don't know. I think traversal is often the way that I, I feel like this manifests for me. Like I kind of, I think if you can make navigating the game world feel completely different, then you sort of opened up this whole possibility space. Mm. But there's so many, re- there's so many, so few examples of people doing that in a way that feels as kind of game changing as it needs to and pe- that doesn't alienate like 90% of the people who play the game I think Portal is one of the few examples of this where mm. like you can change how people tra- traverse a first person 3D maze completely mm, but yeah. do so using the vocabulary that already existed which is shoot like mm. that's mm. you know that that's mega clever it's the only example of that which is why every subsequent attempt to match it with like it's like that but it's goo yeah. Um, or it's like that with but it's making color. things big or small yeah. or it's like that but it's you know, whatever is so rare. Maybe you could argue that something like, um, outer wilds pulls this off, layering lots of different mechanics onto the same basic sort of physics simulation, hmm. but making them super consistent. Like maybe that's, maybe I'm meandering towards an answer, which is great. Cause I'm bailing you two out. Not <laughs> at all. Actually, I did yeah, think really? one. Oh, <laughs> in, in that, in that, uh, that time, uh, it's, I don't know if it's really something that would, work out the context in which it worked but yeah, there are quite a lot of um snes and nes games that did weird things that have never been tried again mm. do you remember so i had this on a uh bootleg cartridge from singapore and the game on that was known as balloon peck but i believe it had a more uh sensible title was it just balloon hunt there's a, there's a NES game called Balloon Hunt. Yeah. It's probably Balloon Hunt then is the actual title of it. And you, um, it's a competitive game, uh, where you play, uh, little men holding two balloons and you can kind of With pecky faces flap into the air and you just got to, uh, fall on, you know, fall onto the other, uh, person's balloons to pop them and they've got two balloons. So you pop them twice and they, they fall and that's them done. Um, and there are birds flying around trying to pack your balloons as well. Uh, and it hasn't been done since, strangely enough. Mm. 
<laughs> but it's it's actually Lovely a very. Sa- I mean, it's a very satisfying. I mean, in, in some ways, it's it's DNA goes into things like Smash Brothers and other games where you're you're yeah. You know, there's an, a fixed arena where you're trying to just yeah. Essentially joust. Another place. It's, joust. Yeah, yeah. It's like joust, and then the Flappy Bird is you know because you're pressing the button to keep yeah. your height and kind of mm. modulate your height. But it, there is something very satisfying about the combination of those things, being able to sort of sort of fly mm. and uh, and also the task of bumping another person on the head the, and having that kind of aerial dominance yeah but you're also but also <laughs> your aerial mobility is quite stodgy so there's mm. there's sort of like uh it's not it's not a, f- a fluid dive bombing aerial combat thing it's more like you're struggling up into the air under you know under great labor and then you know mm. timing yourself quite precisely but uh seeding your success over quite a long period because it's quite flabby i could way. be wrong but i think satoru Iwata did it so really as in the former head wow. of now late head of um nintendo i didn't know i had so much uh so much so that i owe him but i do <laughs> clearly i did have one idea but i don't know whether it'd be realized very well now because there's something in the old style simplicity that made it work for me but um there was a series of games made by Japanese, like this is on Super Nintendo, by a company called Agenda. Oh, brain, brain struggling here. I think they're called Agenda, uh, called Terranigma and a couple of others, uh, Soul Blade, uh, another one. And they are action games in the sense of like, you're wandering around one of them one of them is a platformer action game another one is you're sort of walking around with the view from above and you're kind of hitting stuff Mm. like and you know it's Mm. fairly simple action games but they are joined together with some really interesting um sort of somewhat rts levels where the things that you've collected in the action levels uh, come into the interstitial levels. And there's one game which is very quite RTSE, uh, which I'm not that keen on. It's a bit bit janky, not very interesting. But there's another one where you're basically building up a village, and every time you go back to the action bit and you do a thing, more stuff changes in the village, and uh, buildings materialize, giving access to new things. So every time you go back to the village, you have more shit to explore. And it gives you a real sense of progression and uh, interest. You know, oh, finished level. Great, that was a challenge. And my reward is now I can get to a new area that it was being kind of hinted at. I'm not sure that games can do that so well now because they are have a have a kind of embarrassment of riches as it is to explore and look at you know mm-hmm. whereas in those days the idea of simply getting a new dialogue scene would be kind of like whoa fucking hell this is excellent mm-hmm. you know oh look there's a new interior i can go into um but there's a simplicity back then that where that kind of really shined i'd like to i'd like to see games experiment more with kind of withholding a bit you know to, mm. to give you a sense of like oh animal crossing always did it well you know it was a game all about kind of holding stuff back making stuff feel special using time mostly but um these these are games that are about holding stuff back because of assets you know this is yeah. a thing mm. um but i don't know there's i think there's something there in a game to kind of to to play around with whether it would just feel boring because now games are so filled like you know the cowboy game you know a square mile of that game is more than most ge- like there's more to look at that you can possibly yeah. process 
um, you know, yeah, and you know, hmm. it's nice to explore the other end. That's true. Your house does upgrade in uh, in Red Dead Redemption Two after a certain point, but like it uh, doesn't have the same impact as it would have done in uh, games of yore. I think, yeah. Yeah, those, like, those reasons. Uh, yeah, so, you know, so you, you go back to towns, and then you can see people building new buildings, mm. can't you? But it's such a sort of, oh, <laughs> whereas you should be going, oh, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like holding things back to that extent. Like, well, I think the, Making the root, you care. yeah, the root thing there is you're the, you're not revealing to the player everything that's in the, the box for them to enjoy right yeah. like the sense of the value of the game is sort of deepened by the notion that things can change i do think there's something of the aspect of the game changes the moment players realize that they've seen every asset yeah. there's going to be hmm. and therefore you will see them remixed from now on but you may be still happy to keep playing but there are no more zones to discover there's no more big surprises i think about that kind of escalation a lot and why it's important yeah i think there's something very important about the feeling of being treated to something that's finished and it's actually something that's actually tremendously lost by the early access era mm. is is you really shouldn't see the new assets when they arrive you should be treated to the you know uh, a scope of game that expands just a little bit further than you're expecting it to that's the most rewarding feeling mm. it doesn't have to be twice what you're expecting but like that extra little bit we're like oh there's an epilogue bit or some cool thing for me to discover that's very valuable i think yeah I mean, not not too on the low hanging flute, but I'm doing it anyway. Ooh. I mean, like that series, it. that series, it, like that is very much about rewarding you with a new thing. You know, mm. here's a new area. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. here's a new detail in an area which is actually quite detailless. You know, you're walking through kind of quite empty looking rooms quite a lot in the Soul series. Mm. Uh, and when you find a new room with a detail that you hadn't seen before, that that is a game of uh, that. And, and your hub also does get more characters. Uh, does, as yeah. Well, so, Actually, it so, does it well. Yeah. And like, and that, that yeah. is, it, it's holding you back through kind of making you work yeah. for it. And it does feel so important when yeah. a new character arrives at, you know, or in, in, in Bloodborne, even when a new character arrives at the, is it, which mm. church is it? I can't remember. Uh, the, yeah. Uh, Eden Chapel. Mm. Ian, Iron. Iodin. What have you pronounced Weedin. it? Weedin. <laughs> um but then you're, you're like oh what does this mean you know yeah, why was this tr- what was this triggered by yeah i don't think it's a i don't think it's a coincidence that it's made by a japanese studio and a you know and, and so much about that game looks back at sort of classic sort of particularly 16-bit games you know mm. metroid games and whatever yeah true you could just talk about the game forever couldn't you it's as if we could I'm not going to. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie writes, hello, chest and cheekbones. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what that's going for, really. Um, Do you have chests of cheekbones? Oh, is it a chest? I think it's like two appealing things about... So what it is, it's a set of cheekbones that look like a chest and it means something. Hmm. After decades of being paralysed by character creation screens and inevitably going with default McBlandy features, I recently found myself unconsciously creating the same woman whenever the option arises. She's tall, blonde, robustly built, in her early 40s, attractive, but in an entirely workplace-appropriate and modest manner. You can easily imagine her as the CEO of a FTSE 100 company, uh, 100 company, sorry, uh, or giving a TED Talk on applied robotics. 
Uh, I had made her several times in several games before I realised what I was doing. But apparently this woman lives inside me, and I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) What character do you find yourself making, and what would Freud make of your choices? All the best, Jamie, a.k.a. Matron Boy from Discord, and a 34-year-old fat man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, I think I... Well, I spent a long time making myself and varying versions of myself. And what Freud would say to that is that I would like to live in the computer game <laughs> rather than anywhere else. And ideally, if that would be, could be expedited, that would be, I don't think Freud would say that bit, but I would. Um, and then. Yeah, it's more Jungian kind of thing. Yeah, lately. So actually, very much predating Assassin's Creed Greece, but I would describe the character I've made in every RPG since as basically Cassandra from Assassin's Creed Greece, which made that game very enjoyable because yeah. it was like the, so there's someone had fully voiced the the character that I had been making. Um, but there aren't many games that can possibly give you the tools to have that toned upper arms. I know, but if you can, it's good. Yeah. I tend to I tend to make uh, female tanks basically because I think it's an under underrepresented archetype in most RPGs. Mm. Like in the kinds of game where you get these kinds of choices. It's rare that the frontline fighter is a is a is a is a woman in massive armor. So that tends to be what I make. Kind of like that big tower shield, hmm. like the Crusader from Diablo would be a good architect oh, yeah. for that. Yeah. She's cool. Yeah. yeah, I like playing her in um, Here's the Storm. Yeah, I think I uh, recently I've got into uh, making characters based on the barks that they have because you can often choose like the, the, mm. the sounds as well. And well I'll, I'll go of, through them and I'll be like, I'm going to have to listen to their screaming, screaming death noises quite a lot probably. So uh, I'll ch- choose one which is uh, less offensive and then uh, build a character around that. <laughs> I'm like, mm, I don't think I'll go for that one. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, oh, I'm stuck ooh. in the mud. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the flip side to this is no, like norman wisdom running around <laughs> not to not to i know glomp on the low-hanging swamp but like the, the um well should we glomp straight onto the next questions about that yeah i could say something about the character design in, in oh yeah in, it's very it's good it's very, well, it's very good. good also but you don't have a choice you well you do you choose who you want to value out of the set of people and oh, i yeah, think true. and it, cause it's got such a good line in cowboys at bad posture of yeah. every uh gender and ethnicity that um i find myself sort of drawn like if i if i happen to get like a random character or an optimal set of equipment on like one of the cool cowboys because they are in there. Mm. There, there are a few. Well, when I say cool cowboys, I mean specifically edgy boys, edgy mm. cow men. Um, like there's, um, there's you know, a bandana, cool dark coat guy, and you know, oh, these are the legendary characters. No, no, in the, in the sort of, just uh, in the, the higher randomized tier set, right. the randomized characters, yeah, yeah. you do get the occasional uh, cool man TM, mm. and I really hope they die. Like I don't mind playing <laughs> them if I have to, yeah. but it's like God, I hope I get eaten by bees or something kind of very unfortunate and avoidable. Yeah, it's true actually, because uh, you you roll a bunch of different characters and you buy one of or more of them. Um, uh, rather than get just given a single character to pick. Um, I do tend to choose the ones that I like the look of and then discard their equipment. I don't care what equipment they really, have. I care about them being cheap and I care about them looking cool. Yeah. Um, like I, 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 I 
sometimes the names and the characters create a character that's very very evocative and i get very sad mm. when they die so yeah last night or no maybe the night before night before last how's I your lost, accountancy firm going uh, they're, they're dead they're oh. dead i lost gustava landsverk who is a, a woman <laughs> with a, like a terrible stooped posture who slung around a scoped rifle and in our first outing uh myself and, and friend of pod paul canavan uh, we had an incredible kind of run and got all four bounties out, which we'd never done before, like real kind of proper. And this felt like the beginning mm. of a, a partnership. Next game, uh, we had an unfortunate accident involving someone shooting me in the head from really far away. And that was the end yeah. of Gustavo Landsverk. But something about the name and the, like, mm. I don't know, it's such a distinctive, it's just a distinctive silhouette and not a character you'd ever see anywhere near, like, playable in, in games that it was very glad to spend th- those that evening <laughs> of. I got a very, life. very uh, badass looking lady, uh, who unusually had a nickname, which most of the characters don't. Mm. Bang Bang Kane. Uh, uh, yeah, she died in the, in the swamp. Yeah. Goodbye to her. That was sad. My, my friend Dan has an incredible character who is one of the kind of cool, high tier, edgy men kind of oh, yeah. camo suit, mega cowboys. And his name is Kirk Jeans. <laughs> G- oh wow! And it's the be- it's, yeah, just like the trousers. Like it's so good. <laughs> you should be on the squad for a, a, a Japanese football game. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Like it's it's perfect because it's like it's it's halfway to cool name. So that's it, it, she made the whole character cool because it's like. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, like what is the what is like a so you can let, American you, saying what what is a what is a cool American name? It's a sleeve McDyckel for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like it's like yeah, that 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 Japanese um, yeah. So it's, it's a real bront. <laughs> <laughs> um, shall we move on to the, yeah. the swamp question? Thank you. Buckle Thank you. up, boys. <laughs> Take me home, swamp daddy. Well. It's <laughs> Well, it's, it's a little, it's, it takes it in a little different direction. Oh. Uh, so Martin Frank, uh, asked a question on Twitter. I couldn't be bothered to copy and paste it to this document. So, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase it. Uh, he is tempted by Hunt Showdown because we won't fucking shut up about it, but, um, he thinks it'll be too demanding of his time. And he wonders if there is a different game that fills that casual cursed swamp niche. <laughs> I mean, so we're talking specifically swamps here, not like survival. Yeah. Or... This is the thing. Is it, is it the swamp you want or the, I think it is the swamp you want because it's a unique aesthetic experience swamp, uh, swamp hunt, right? It's gonna, it's gonna always be called fucking swamp to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can extract, uh, an experience from that which isn't hellish in some way. I think that would be a disappointment. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, way. because it is so integral in a way that kind of. Like, I don't know that it is that demanding of time though. No. It's only because you want to play more. Not, you don't have it's, to. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's good. It's because I've got a terrible fucking life ruining addiction to it now. It's not because, uh. <laughs> yeah. It's, so it's, you know, it is very generous with giving you access to guns that you might mm. not actually unlock the ability. All you unlock is the ability to reliably buy things for yourself. You don't unlock the ability to use things. Yeah. It's a really crucial distinction, actually. And also, designers. I mean, there's a great leveler, which is a, a bullet to the brain kills anybody in the game. Yeah, and, and sometimes people just fucking step on some glass and a bee woman shreds them. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, that's the other great equalizer. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of other games that have had similarly set levels, like I think Left 4 Dead 2 has some sort of Bayou-y, swampy zombie oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, but it's obviously a generation earlier, at least a generation earlier tech-wise. Um I can't think of anything that really matches it because it's uh, the thing I would say about it is obviously like getting a nighttime or a dusk mission or a match in Hunt is a very specific feeling, but it's most effective horror for me is actually like it's very effective like noon gothic 
right? Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Like it can create a gothic a gothic atmosphere and genuine horror in bright sunlight well, in the middle of the day. it washes out with all the colour, doesn't it? And you know you can be seen from far away. There's so many different parts of it. Mm. And the monsters are still horrible in the daytime. Mm. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's like, and in some ways it's worse to know that that horse over there will scream at you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. and that's very, I can't think of very many other games that have achieved, I can't think of very many of the horror properties that have reliably achieved that. Mm. Like, you know, good sort of, you know, like not relying on the fact that we inherently find darkness to be spooky as a as a trope is kind of interesting like midsummer i mean you also um resi 7 was bio right but that's also that also marks the 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 series's full-on transition to action game right like it's it's you know you're i mean i guess that is an example of zombie blast and horror during the daytime in a spooky place yeah but. yeah i mean it's not always uh, summertime shooting maybe even something like generation zero is actually mm. sort of along the lines you can play it co-op and it's not quite as it's horrific, a lot more relaxing it's probably an easier onboarding experience than yeah. hunt which has you know well you're not some playing intricacies against to it. people you're, yeah. you're just you're as pv yeah there's i mean I would say if you wanted the single player version of this, there is Stalker. There is always Stalker. There's always mm. Stalker. Um, like, oh, and, and then there are big robot games. So, uh, Tolva. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I think, you know, the, the sort of comparison goes to a certain point though. Although I would say, uh, I don't want to just wank on about how good Hunt is, but the reason it's so good is it feels really singular. Yeah. Like it is a mix of things that aren't really anywhere else. Like that particular refinement and condensation of survival shooting really tight kind of level design and the, such a unique setting for this kind of thing and the setting being kind of integral to that design it has the battlefield one thing of you move the setting to any other time period and it gets you have to start accounting for weapons that are different like the the scale of its map is is perfect for it being a western because mm. that's how far you can expect these guns to shoot it's a very different game if it's stalker with Kalashnikovs and yeah. stuff that's that's Tarkov. I mean, Tarkov is, is one of the other games yeah, in this sure. category. Yeah. Um, but Tarkov, I, I, Tarkov is definitely not the, the easy onboarding alternative to Hunt. It's the opposite way around. So like Tarkov is far more hardcore and much more, much, 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 much more difficult to get into. Craig um, Pearson wrote a good thing on Rock Paper Shotgun about Tarkov this week, hmm. uh, which I might be worth putting in the show notes because it's fun. Like it. Oh yeah, I did read that about hiding, finding bog roll, wasn't it? Yeah. Finding, yeah, finding bog roll. <laughs> Is his is his jam in the game because mm. it's a game where you anything you take get out of the map is kind of tossed up as your score and yeah bog rolls his thing. Have yeah. you guys played Remnant from the Ashes? No. no. Okay. Well, is that a is that a <laughs> this kind of it's, game? It's it's a co op shooty game uh, set in a post apocalypse uh, with quite inventive looking enemy design. Um, but I, I haven't played it. But uh, people who uh, have heard me bang on about Hunter suggested I try it. So maybe that hmm. is a, mm. a slightly sli- less hardcore. Alex, I just realised that you said Resi 7. I thought you said Resi 5 when you were talking Resi. Bye. Resi 7 is a different Africa proposition. Yeah, yeah. I, in terms of like daylight horror. Yeah, but like, well, there's a lot of daylight from what I played of 7, but I couldn't play that much because I was too scared. Well, that's what I was going to say. Resi 7, <laughs> which is the, the first person, you're in a shitty place yeah. in, the, yeah. in the swamp. And there is action in it, but yeah, it's yeah. a story. It's just too fucking scary. Yeah, it's a good thing about scary. Hunt is you're there with your mates and... I went mm. in some water and there were nasty things in the water and I just thought, that's that. That's that. Yeah, that's sort of true of Hunt as well, but sometimes the nasty things are ducks. Like, yeah. 
inured myself mostly to the actual kind of explicit horror elements of hunt now uh, I, i'm mostly terrified of just disappointing jim really that's the worst <laughs> thing i'm like should i should i take the shot he says patiently without any any hint of annoyance if you can get the headshot i take the shot i always if you miss can take yeah the headshot. <laughs> i like <that. laughs> oh god oh, oh that's that's disappointing dad right there um <laughs> he's never shown it he's such a nice man like, i don't know why he still plays i love the i loved the um fight you and i got into the other day yeah, in hunt good. where we were staking out this place we've meticulously figured out what direction people might come from and really applying that 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 learning dad, them, dad, them gym, dad, dad's learnings you know what i mean <laughs> uh, we, we, you know i laid a trap and stuff and we were right and uh despite being right and despite getting the drop on someone uh i failed to hit them with two consecutive headshots i died then uh you ran around the person that was like trying to loot me or something and shot them then you ran away and then the remaining person on their team got attacked by three hellhounds oh, yeah. and you had to try and shoot them once while they were standing in the open trying to club hellhounds to death and you missed all three times <laughs> yeah we did kill them eventually and like, you did yeah like then you chased but, them but it was like but it was uh, it was a humiliation yeah, there's, there's, that, absolutely there is i mean the thing is in hunt uh sometimes you, you know, shooting people in, in hunt is difficult because the ranges are difficult uh and there's there's a weapon and drift as well down the scope and um and it's hard because people are moving a lot and you need to get a headshot in order to definitely fucking kill them and and so often you know i'll engage people and i'll miss i'll be like i won't be irritated about it because i know i'm just not good enough yeah. and that's that's there's kind of a sense of relief in that but um <laughs> but there are circumstances where even me with my very limited ability should have absolutely been able to fucking kill somebody i'm just spamming bullets into the fucking trees into ducks into anything that's not a head of a human <laughs> awful really and there are moments as well where though it does go well and you actually get the kill and you're like yes it's mm. always like this for me this is the bar yeah. I should aspire to, like where it swings the other way, and you're like, "Oh, I can do this," and it's it's a lie as well. We got we got murdered by uh, me and Jim got murdered by two uh, people who are you can see after they've after the match has ended after you've been killed, what, what how many levels above you they were? There's mm. a couple of arrows, and they were two levels above us, um, and they just they just fucking nailed us, and it was it was like being taken out by a hit squad from Mossad. It was so professional, and then um, and then we started booted up another game, and we we're playing it. We see these two characters sort of like titting around in the distance and we're like, hang on, those are the exact two same characters that we just got murdered by. So we stalked them throughout this, the, the, the map and then, uh, then we executed a perfect revenge upon them. <laughs> and, uh, I felt incredibly good. So blissfully good. Headshotted that, that, uh, the guy with the, the, you know, the legendary character who's all decked out in like voodoo gear. Oh yeah. The bone doctor. Yeah. And he was jumping at the time. So actually, he jumped into my bullet. But <laughs> yeah, so you were going to miss. miss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, he was jumping repeatedly in order to try and get a shot over a over a fence. So I was able to nail him. But yeah, I played for the first time uh, with uh, friend Dan and Greg the other day, and I hadn't played with them. They're quite both high level. They played more hunt than me. And we had this first thing where we came across uh, a team of, th I think it was a team of three fighting a team of two, but one of the three had already died and it turned into this very cagey sort of standoff. We could see the two teams sort of running around repositioning in, I think it was Alice Farm or somewhere like that. And we moved up and it was the most incredible, I've never had a fight like it in Hunt. It was the most professional, like we did the hit and I, it was complete fucking luck. I was using a Springfield for the first time, which is like a mm -hmm. breech loaded single shot rifle. First shot 
kills some kills one member of the other team then greg fires once one of their other ones dies then i reload aim fire and a third one dies and you know three shots have been fired three kills dan runs up and loads of lobs of dynamite into a roof where we know the third the fourth shooter is and that blows up and kills them and it was like and then there's like the sort of like kurt like good job guys that was nice and clean like i fucking did that on purpose <laughs> Like, like I knew that that was going to be the outcome, and it's always like this when you play with me. And now, I mean, obviously, I will play. I do want to play with them again if if you're listening to this. But like, I definitely can't repeat that, and <laughs> <laughs> need that to be kind. Like, but I, I sort of enjoyed the moment of like, oh, this is what it feels like if you. Mm. Yeah, I, know, I don't know what aspect, what 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 um, what role luck plays in that sort of thing, and 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 to what extent the whole game is sort of gambling with occasion, the occasional triumph feel. Mm. But then again, I've played with people who really know what they're doing and you do reliably get out with the bounties and you do reliably achieve stuff, I think. So, yeah. Uh, I think actually the the game I played with you, which ended fairly uh, ignominiously in, in uh, a protracted flight because... Uh, that was we, an amazing we, ending, actually. Well, I didn't know whether you enjoyed it at all. I thought it was fantastic because yeah. we got we got near the extraction point. It's being camped by two enemies. And you can scan when you have the bounties to see if there's anybody in front of you. I was just like, I'm just going to scan here. Oh, there's enemies! And then, as I said, that Chris got his head blown off. But well, unfortunately, he was in a, in a clearing, and they were kind of just they had perfect eyesight on it. There wasn't going to be a way I could really get you up. Yeah, and so, then actually, the only other necessary context is we had just done a perfect ambush. Yes, of the people who actually had the bounties. <laughs> so we ambushed them and. And we kind of gambled on, we might be the only people left because we had, you know, it was actually competent. Like we took yeah. them down. And then, yeah, the next river we were crossing. Bang. Like, oh, they're actually bang. Like, and then I'm down. But then, uh, so I, I kind of faffed around thinking, trying to work out whether I could lure them away or whether, <laughs> what I could do to you get like get four bullets up. left. Yes. Uh, so in the end, I just ran, uh, halfway across the map to a different extract. But all the time, Chris is guiding me using the map like a like a rally driver, you know, like a rally driver. What are they called? A rally driver? Co-driver? Yeah, navigator, yeah. yeah. Go left here. Turn right at the dead horse, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was funny because we, we gambled on like, because you backed up and they didn't move. And you mm. backed up and they didn't move. And they were obviously like looking at my body without taking the bounty. You know what I mean? That kind of game of chicken. And it all came down to they can get my bounty and they can just leave. Yeah. They could just take their losses and go. And watching their little lightning marker on the map, when we realized they were going to get greedy, they were going for you as well. Yeah. Like, and so suddenly it's like they're 30 seconds behind you. It's a 30 second timer to escape in the boat. Like, and they were just behind you the whole time. Like, begging i was praying for them to run into something like a fireman <laughs> well what? lucky i set off so much aggro on the way up to yeah. there they had to had to plow through that afterwards. Oh, the only the only times i got like what's going on no was when like you got sort of like tangled in a fight or something and you're fighting your way through and it's like no don't run for but yeah it was, mm. it was that was really exciting it was exciting for me because so did you did you get out i did get out yeah but right. but they were right behind me as well so weren't quite at the point where they could shoot me but they were you could, i could hear them <laughs> like yeah that's, that's one shot good. got fired or something yeah yeah ah oh, we could bang on about it but what a game what a game you should play it with us Alex. i need to play with you next week actually for no. reasons oh yeah. well, cool okay let's play it next, next week well or this week all this There's, week there is all this week still. yeah yeah we should yeah. we should do some of that for sure great any more questions no in that no. case that's all the questions that we've got time for. If you'd like to send us a question. That's not technically true. What? We haven't any more questions. So it's not, those are all the questions we've got time for. Those are all the questions. That is true. Yeah. Well, 
Look, do you want me to outro this podcast or not, Alex? All right. Like, I can... I've, I've got my particular way of beginning that. I think it helps people know what's happening. Like, this is the point where people can traditionally skip or wait to find out what car crash this is going to be. And uh, we haven't been drinking this evening, so I was feeling pretty good about this one. But I'm glad that you've ensured that it is now this. You know what I mean? This is your doing. This is your salted my gift field. to you all. <laughs> well, if that is certainly questions that were. <laughs> They've gone now. Bye-bye. Goodbye, questions. Goodbye. If you'd like to send us a question so that we can talk about Hunt Showdown instead, <laughs> feel free to email us at questions at creightoncrowbar.com. You can also tweet us at creightoncrowbar. And I'd like to give special credit to Martin Davies this week. You've been nice. a very good boy and you actually checked Twitter. Oh yeah. Questions. Yeah. Well done. Very good boy. No That's, problem. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent work. Uh, you may now leave the mud. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you were just drawing attention to something you were happy about. That's, <laughs> it was a brag this entire time. Oh, it was a brag, yeah. I, like, I like to think there's a kind of frisson of ambiguity about the whole scenario. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that's why it has a sort of, um, it's a, it's a cheeky confession rather than a, there's a, yeah, there's a confessional with the, a hint of I'm not stuck in the muck, but I like muck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Why do we always end up at like you know the weird end of the Beano every time? <laughs> um, the anyway, uh, if yeah, so quite, there's Twitter as well, isn't there? If you want to send us questions, and I, I welcome questions at this point about any of the things you just heard. They um, <laughs> invite them if anything. Uh, if you would like to. Uh, uh, find the podcast in in sort of video form let's call it still image with audio um then you can do so on a youtube channel mm. youtube.com forward slash crate and crowbar our community hangs out on on discord which alex repeatedly refers to as a forum which is very very cute um, <laughs> it's a bulletin board an yeah. online forum <laughs> exactly it's a forum that moves very quickly so you're going to have to be quick and snap you it don't up. have to refresh the page at all <laughs> no it does it itself um and uh, that's available on discord uh which is a funny name because it actually brings people together it's a bizarre bizarre name what a bunch of idiots right well, congratulations to them because they've facilitated a lovely community which mm. you can locate uh, on our Discord server, uh, which is accessed via hyperlink mm. from our website <laughs> at www.creightoncrowbar.com. HTTP colon slash slash www. You know what? On. Fuck you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do the rest of this outro? Yes. Where do we get to? We've done uh, Discord. Uh, perhaps you'd also like to support us via Patreon, a platform for supporting creative people like us and many others. Thank you so much for those to those who already patronise us. It's coming uh, apart. It's not it's nice being patronised, is it, Alex? Patreon.com <laughs> slash Crate and Crowbar. He's almost Individually, got you may follow us. Marsh Davies is at... Marsh Davis. On the Twitter? Yes. Yes. And Chris is, is on the Twitter at? C Thurston. C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N. Well, don't... If you're nasty. I'm doing it well. You're I'm doing all the steps. Yeah, you are. You're doing very well. And I'm at rotation. R-O-T-A-T-A-D. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about it. 
That's what we say, isn't it, at the end of the podcast? That's anything about else? it. Have I missed anything else? Uh, no. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> what? Christ. Oh, God. It's ending now. That's good. You see, you've got to, you've got to end on a note of chaos. Well, we're at it. Would you like to hear a new voice I've been doing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm stuck in the muck. Oh, oh no. Oh, no, I'm, I'm stuck in the muck. I'm stuck in the muck. Oh, no. I didn't this... know you were into making 1980s comedy characters. That's what I do all day. Yeah, I think you should <laughs> introduce the podcast in this voice. No. <laughs> it's very good. Welcome. It sounds like... It sounds like the voice that you, if you were a Tory MP, that would be on your, the, the sex tape that disgraces you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no.